Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we are doing our season six wrap-up cast. Uh, we just watched the finale last week. There was a lot of email, and I do mean a lot. Like, I've never seen so much email come in about one show. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of messages came in, <laughs> and I tried to sort them down. And we have basically a full episode of feedback this week. Right on. Um, I tried to. I had to make some vicious, vicious, brutal cuts to to get. I had to beat the mailbag with a bat to keep it in line. But uh, I think and, eventually and, I did it. And you'll have to wait until next October to find out which emails made the cut. Right. So thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, we'll see you then. <laughs> see you in October. Uh, Fade to black. <clears throat> so we're also <clears throat> both of us are sick. So yeah. this is the plague edition. It's fun. Uh, very atmospheric. Um. So I. On on the Walking Dead subreddit, which tends to be you know fairly pro Walking Dead, right? Uh, one the, the top rated thread on Wednesday was an urge to essentially boycott this the series, uh, to abstain from per- uh, buying merchandise, to abstain from going to conventions and appearances, and to not to not watch the show, but to not watch the show live, therefore to depress the ratings. Oh God! And I don't know if he. I, I don't think you can outright encourage people to pirate on that particular subreddit. It's the most half-assed boycott I've ever heard. No, but I've I've never seen anything like that on a fan th- sub before. You know, right? No, I that I was shocked. Downvoted to to pretty quick. Like, yeah, I, I went over there and I looked at all those threads and I was like, by the end of it, I came away almost overwhelmed by the negativity there. Like, yeah. It was surprising because I I think of the Walking Dead subreddit as a place to go for kind of rah rah cheering of the show. Do you think that this finale is essentially the equivalent that we hit in the season three finale? Like for so we're, we're not oh, the yeah. average fan. We're oh, a little yeah. bit more. Sin- and you feel like the average fan now just had their welcome to the tombs or whatever the fuck. I feel like moment. They, those and, two moments combined. Yeah, there it's like. How can you fuck up season enders that badly? Sure. In, in both of those cases, it was just an atrocity. Sure. Uh, and and they never back down from it, which I I don't know. In some ways, I respect. In some ways, I think is foolish. I respect uh, sticking to your guns, but when you start yeah. saying like I can't re- remember as Nicotero or Kirkman, <laughs> when you start comparing your finale Cl- cliffhanger to Empire Strikes Back, Nicotero, yeah, you just. I mean, you fundamentally misunderstand Empire Strikes Back or, or your own finale, or like, you're just being willfully deceitful. I right. mean, and and I got, I saw, you know, I, I was actually monitoring the mailbag myself, and I saw some people call me out for uh, making excuses for the production team. Uh, oh, okay, as far like as one or two people might have said that, yeah, yeah, like like you know, this is this is Gimple and Kirkman and you know, these guys, and he, it's not about the budget, it's not about the executives, and I think. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm open to those ideas. It's just I see these guys on The Talking Dead, and they don't look like they're having fun. No, I can't And they imagine. look like they're kind of uncomfortable with this. And I've been the guy who's not giving the, given the tools I need to succeed and, and re- release a product that I'm not happy with, and I'm in front of people, customers that are angry with it. And it's not a fun place to be. Right. Really isn't. Um but on the, on the other hand, there's enough kind of arrogance and we're awesome and, you know, this this is just like this Empire Strikes Back that you kind of like, oh, well, maybe these guys are just assholes. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we have point and counterpoint here in the the emails uh, along those lines, kind of who to blame it on, um, providing some some evidence, some some historical evidence, doing a little archaeology of do, the Walking Dead. Do we have a spoiler section? Uh, we do. Okay, cool, because I, I got a lot of thoughts that I want to talk about in the spoiler section, but I do... The other thing I did is I listened to a lot of Walking Dead meta coverage. I listened to Jason and Karen's cast. Okay. Uh, I listened to Nina, Project yeah. Fandom's podcast. I listened to... Is it Chris and Jason to do the talking actual dead. Talking Dead? Yeah. The Basically, real Talking Dead. The, the OG friends we've had for a while. Sure. And, you know, the reaction... I, I thought that, you know, obviously Jason and Karen's were kind of the most positive coverage, but even Karen was kind of like, are you fucking kidding me with this, Jason? <laughs> but, but the one defense... That I want to try out on you. That okay. I thought that I didn't see anywhere else, and and I, I want to, want to credit to Jason over on the Walking Dead cast. Is he said <clears throat> if you look at this from a storytelling point of view, and and a, and, and a particularly the emotional connection with a fan base point of view, that if you're you know in a writer's room and you're thinking, okay, we kill these people, and it's this big emotional moment for the characters, and all the fan base is traumatized, and and all that. Then you have a five months where you let the audience go, and they're going to go on and process that, and you're going to come back with, you know, presumably these crying, hysterical people on their knees in the dirt five months from now, and they're still in that moment, mm-hmm. but you've moved on emotionally from the scene. So it could be argued that by taking that moment and prolonging it, not in a cliffhanger kind of way, but as an emotional connection kind of way, that that's what they're we're trying to do. Right, but... I- it seems to me like you're saying there can only be one way to come back into this in mm. season seven, which is to immediately pick up exactly where we left off there in the dirt. And I don't think that's true. I think you can come back a multitude of ways and you undermine the moment in the moment um, when you leave it a cliffhanger and you don't show them dying. Yeah. And also, I don't know. Because now, like, you spent an hour getting the audience, an hour and a half getting yeah, the audience up. worked up. Yep, sure. Uh, to not pay it off in that hour and a half at the end, you're now going to have to spend more time and a lot more time getting yeah. them back into that state because they're just not going to be there six yeah. months from now. Yeah, and you know, I like I think that was a, a decent point, and you could say like maybe you judge their intentions based on that, but you got to judge the result, and the result is you have a fan base that's more alienated and pissed off, and then you know you're talking about breaking emotional engagement. Well. Welcome to 90% disapproval rating for this particular episode, at least from what I can tell. So, I don't know. And I can see where maybe they thought they were doing something that wouldn't be perceived as as negatively as it has been. Um, Maybe they thought they were trying to say one thing about the scene by not showing the death. Yeah. Uh, I, I maybe buy, like, Scott Gimple's talk about it a little bit. Okay. It was a mistake. Um, and he, no one seems to want to own up to that, even though obviously it was. I mean, you can't look at the feedback on Twitter. You can't look at the feedback on the Reddit. Nowhere that I've seen has the feedback been generally positive. It's all vastly negative. Yeah, so like you... to, to say that this is not a mistake and fans just need to trust us and all that stuff, it doesn't matter what you think about that yes. as, a, as a producer of the content because your audience has judged it. Yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, I can see why a creator would want to explain why what they were trying to go for when something right. doesn't. But to yeah. you know, like the Vera sued from I think that's how you pronounce her name uh, from the killing when that first season became a fiasco. <laughs> where right, you know, the essential problem with the killing is they had this well crafted dramatic series that 
aimed to do one thing, which was in a single season, take this the killing, the the, the titular killing, and identify who did it and investigate it. It was a long for like like your average police procedural blown out to thirteen episodes. Right. And they got to the end of the season and they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And everyone is out, and, she, and she's on like, oh, no, I think this, and I think that. And I'm like, man, at some point you got to say, we did play a bait and switch, and here's why. And I, you know, but you did not acknowledge it. It, it, it it's, it's, you know, you've always had the person that you play sports with or you're, you're professionally working with, and they just can't own up to their own mistakes. Like, it's always a fucking mystery about why right. something happened. Or well, somebody else's fault, or they're just not sure. getting it. Or... Yeah, this and this is like when it's your favorite show on television, it must be a real bummer. Yeah. No, I can see it. Uh, that said, we do have a lot of feedback on the topic. Okay. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about the season as a whole? I no, feel like I, we should give our general thoughts so, okay, on it. Okay, good point. Um, I think this season on a whole, I, uh, well, the season I'm kind of lukewarm on. This right. half season I'm actually positive on because yeah. I can live in a world where The Walking Dead nails six out of eight episodes and maybe fucks up a finale, maybe fucks up a, a, a premiere. Right. Um, the finales are more disastrous than the premieres, honestly, because mm-hmm. that's what gets you excited for the long hibernation. But I can yeah. get what I can't abide is week after week of mediocrity and bullshit. Or worse. Yeah. yeah. That's what really bums me out long. Like, if I have to do two, three podcasts that are bummer in a row, like, contrary to popular belief, yep. I don't like doing it. Sometimes it's yeah. entertaining, <laughs> uh-huh. but it, it definitely depletes the old. You know, whatever the desire to come back and yes. do it week after week is just the fire not in there, the belly, yeah. Right uh, when the show sucks, and I, I think I, I'm with you. I mean, the the first half of this season was a massive clusterfuck. Uh, that Glenn fiasco was. I don't even have words to describe how fucked up that was. And yet they uh, came back and doubled down on the same right, thing. Right. It's insane to me that they thought this cliffhanger idea was a good idea after that, but they did it. Uh, but you're right. They they kind of nailed a lot of the episodes in this final half season um, to the point where, you know, I don't forget the Glenn fiasco and I'm not going to forget this cliffhanger finale very soon. But uh, you can kind of forgive some of those bigger mistakes, at least a little bit, given that they've really upped their game this half season as far as like consistent consistently good storytelling well and i mean i guess that's the there's only... a lot of moralizing in there you know there's some stuff that we complain about but and generally then, and i keep on wondering like is it are they upping their game or are they getting lucky that the story is suiting their strengths right. like it yeah. feels like more and more like sometimes they're going to go in areas of the walking dead that suits their strengths mm-hmm. and sometimes they're going to go and and what what's frustrating i guess is to me i'd find my lane and stay in it like, yeah. this is what we can do. This is what works. Let's keep doing this. But they keep wanting to, you know, do this prestige prestige drama stuff that doesn't really work. Yeah. It seems like their lane is the, the action, you know, that we had a lot of action this season. Well, and then new things, new stimulus right. that, that provokes right. new reactions, you uh-huh. know, wallowing in the same old, same old. And, and and building deep emotional character arcs, like, I'm yeah. all for it if they could do it. Right. That's my preferred type of storytelling. Like, if you could get the leftovers into my Walking Dead, great. But yeah. they have t- shown time and time again that they don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real shame. Uh, you know, it's a shame that the season went out like this because I think the conversation about 
Walking Dead would be much different if they had even just not fucked it up. Yeah. I'm not talking about not nailing Cause, it. Cause this, I just mean... This final episode had a lot of... Bull, like, you had oh, a yeah. lot of morgalizing and Carolac, you know, and a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily agree with. But you're right. If they had just nailed that one moment, I think yeah. people would be, like, out of their mind. Right. They They wouldn't be able to... <laughs> they couldn't wait until season seven, and now I feel like. And conversely, we've got a threat of a boycott. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, and conversely, you're going into the best stretch of Walking Dead comics history ever. <laughs> and do you have the confidence that they're going to nail those moments? No, no, me either. No, uh, but I don't know. Our listeners say a lot about this stuff, so let's, let's get into it. Why don't we get into it? We start off with Tom in a Volkswagen. He says, "I'm worried that producing the Watching Dead podcast will have negative effects on your health." <laughs> Remember, stress and anxiety are the enemy. You, the podcasting heroes behind the media machine that is Bald Move. I'm, media machine? Yeah, we? I like it. All right, the have choices limbs. to make regarding the way you follow, analyze, and present The Walking Dead. Choices you make will have an effect on your weekly attitude, your mental health, and the way you treat your pets and or children. <laughs> Here are my thoughts on what you should do. Number one, take something that is calming half hour prior to viewing. This might require that you relocate the Bald Move headquarters to Colorado. Number two, Lee sip Mountains. alcohol while watching. Sip. Don't guzzle. We do that. We do. Like, I, we do. I was yeah. drinking on every live watch we did. Mostly uh, rum and Cokes. Yeah. Number three, do not do research that may expose you to Gimple slash Kirkman statements. They will only make you angry. <laughs> number four, laugh or cheer at everything that would otherwise anger you. Good advice from, from the Volkswagen there. Yep. Uh, I don't know how much we'll heed. I, we pretty much do number two already, but... How can we not do research? I mean, we're going to be exposed to these Gimple Kirkman statements by you, the listener, anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. Nothing we can do about that. I mean, I don't know, like, uh... To the, to the extent that you think the AMC is the problem, like, having giving them a handler so they can't make these statements is not going to happen. Mm-mm. Or or maybe they're actually, if, if you had the marketing wonks, you know, making these statements, it would be even worse. I don't know, man. <laughs> they do a lot of con appearances... Right. Um, I'm very, you know, that's the other thing. I'm curious about how, like, the next couple Walker Stalkers and, like, San Diego Comic Con goes. Ooh, the tone there. Is there going to be, you know, some pointed know. questions? Is there going to be less attendance? Is... I'd love to get, uh, is it Jason? Jason. Which one? James, uh, on the show and ask him about, like, so, like, the difference. If there's any difference between attendance, oh, like, between... He, he... No? Off air with, with 50 gallons of truth serum in it, maybe. <laughs> but Jack Bauer style? Yeah. Yeah. With the, with twisting the, with his the, knees? With, with a rag halfway down of his esophagus <laughs> and ripping out his digestive. Maybe you'd get a, a... I don't know. We could ask him. What's the worst that could happen? Uh, TJ from Michigan. <laughs> Scott Gimple has us disappeared. It's literally <laughs> the worst. Can someone please take the art supplies away from these showrunners? They put so much effort into making this show as artsy as possible that they dumb down the coolness, which is why we all want to watch. Don't get me wrong, I can get behind artsy shows and deep storylines, but when you are, uh, but not when they are unable to see through it. It feels like the Walmart version of a Vince Gilligan show. I completely disagree with the way they handled Negan, and I think the way it was done in the comic led to much more shock value and ended on an even better cliffhanger while still giving the situation a sense of finality. After the end of this of the issue, I knew things had changed. Either way, it is what it is, and it's not the worst show on TV. I guess if that's what you want to say about it, it's not the worst show on TV. You're right. That's true. Not even right. close. No, but it's you know that's the thing. It's not it's not offensive that they get the art arty tools out. It's just that they're so clumsy with them. Like I right. That's one of the reasons I like Banshee 
is because every once in a while you'll 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 they'll they'll do this cinematography or they'll do this like emotional montage like I like to call them and it's just like it's something out of another show but it just adds to the enjoyment factor rather than like oh god oh no they're doing none of these again ah you know and some might say an emotional 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 montage and that's the way i'm getting with anytime i hear a pot like a licensed tune spin up with the walking dead i start Mm -hmm. wincing because i'm like oh it's you know and and they did a they kind of did a good job with them in this half of the season but i associate anything that's not mccreary with oh fuck we got some bullshit montage but usually they're not speaking during it so it's kind of okay like the parts that, of The Walking Dead that really bug me is when everybody gets too preachy um, over the same things they've talked about you, you, but, I mean, time and time again. The thing with the musical montage, it's actually meta because I'm just seeing like Gimple in an editing bay. Okay. And he's watching and he's like got his, you know, like Steve Jobs in his chin with his hand and he's like nodding. And he's like, oh, God, we nailed it. We fucking nailed this, guys. Give ourselves that round. It's just right. like you haven't earned that moment, man. Put put yeah. put put the twenty grand you paid this no name artist back on the shelf and 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 hone your craft. Okay, Bill from Houston says thanks again for a great season of recaps. Rather than the same topics of email as you're getting bombarded with, here's something else. One simple question about this episode: How will the bullet making one hundred and one notes factor into next season? Will Negan intend on killing another person? Then Rick pulls out the papers to bargain for more lives spared in exchange. For the services of making ammunition, or will these bullet instructions remain hidden? If the instructions come into play, then does that mean that Rick will claim to be the expert on the subject because he will not throw Eugene under the bus? Uh, that means Rick is relegated to some kind of slave duty at a machine shop for season seven under the watch of the saviors. I can't see that happening. Um, but it is interesting that this stuff is written down now and that Eugene kind of is the source of that knowledge. Now, and he was in the Savior's custody for yep. an indeterminate amount of time. Right. Some few hours. Sure. So I guess potentially so they, he could spill the beans or did to they them. Just, or... Did they, oh, wait. Did he, he gave the notes. Did he keep the notes or give them to Rick? I think he gave them to Rick. Okay. Because he was going off on his death okay, mission, his fine. suicide mission. Okay, because I, I briefly misremembered that he kept the notes. And I'm like, well, they'd probably rifle through his belongings. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they'd see this and they would, the jig would be up. But right now, I feel like that's secret knowledge that only Rick and Eugene and their group have. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like. Uh, do you have an idea? I don't know that of... they're short on bullets, though. Like, are the saviors? The saviors? I can't really tell because they were firing into the air earlier. The, a lot of them have guns. But see, I'm that could sure. be that could be psychological because right, right. you know if you are your stockpiles of ammo dwindling, and presumably everyone's ours by firing into the air. That's like a show of crazy strength. Right. I think we talked about this last episode. It's, yeah. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have weapons, but I just don't know. Yeah. But they are also, um, they, when they send out groups of soldiers, half yeah. of them have spears. It's true. That tells yeah. me that they, although, I mean, I guess that's smart in a zombie apocalypse because you don't need everyone with high-powered assault rifles to just go gather <laughs> right. supplies. Yeah. So... I don't know. It's 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 impossible to say. But I would think either way, those instructions would probably be valuable. And Eugene, as the character with that knowledge, would probably be valuable if they know that he has it. But here's the here's the big problem I have. It, hmm. it seemed like the hilltop was entirely disarmed, right? No guns. I at think all. so. Yeah. 
what are the odds that Negan is going to allow Rick to keep any kind of guns? Mm, that's a good question. Now, I wonder He if, does always say when they meet him, like, give us your weapons. Like, put your sure. weapons down, give us those. But we also know that Alexandria has dispersed their weapons, kind of hid ones. them. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they have to give up all their weapons, then bullets are not going to be great without guns to shoot them with. <laughs> right. You know, like, you can't really throw them. Uh, so they might have to give up the ones that they can see. And then the hidden ones they'll come back with later. But I guess the thing that you ask yourself at this point in the comics is how does Rick ever come back from this? Because you just shot your wad, man. Mm-hmm. You had your biggest group of badasses that got outthought and outfought. And now you're in this vassal position. This guy has is t- has taken your stuff and is going to take half of it. So he's going to keep you in a weakened. Like, how are you ever going to effectively fight back? Yeah, I mean, we we saw the people at the hilltop, um, you know, with, with the first time they met Jesus, he was kind of trying to steal their supplies and, like, all this stuff. So maybe that's kind of the mode they'll go into, look for other people, try and steal their stuff. Yeah. Um, which doesn't seem... I don't know. Do, do you think our group is capable of well, that? I'm, I'm like thinking, just can, I, costing... can I see Rick and, and Daryl and Michonne... As a going out and on a supply, and they they run into like a family, right? And they just hide. They just take all their shit. Yeah, no, it's and the, like what would that could what would that look? I mean, I think that'd be cool for the Walking Dead to explore. Like, I uh-huh. don't want to do this, but we have to do this. Yeah, and we have people to to protect. Sure, people to feed. Sure. So I don't know that, but I could see maybe that'd be a bridge too far for some people. Yeah, probably. Judd B says, what is your opinion of all the spoilers being leaked? And can you recall of another show that's had this many spoilers posted before? Um, let's keep going with this. While Game of Thrones did have the first four episodes of last season leaked, that was attributed to media copies being posted. But I cannot recall of another show that had this many spoilers leaked on a weekly basis. Um, what do you what do you think about that? Is it are there any more or less spoilers coming out of this? I remember production? Breaking Bad was a pretty leaky ship in yeah, season yeah. four, but then they definitely cracked down, and there was measures taken both on the set security, full measures, yeah, yeah, full measures on <laughs> both in both set security and how they dealt with the media. That like in season five, that pretty much all dried up. Yeah, um, you know. Uh, and like you said, the Game of Thrones thing, that's something they, I, I guess that they responded to that by just not giving media copies out um, yeah. <laughs> this year. I don't know. I haven't heard if there are any leaks or not. But no, I mean, I imagine uh, if we want to get meta with it, that the more discontent amongst the staff and the less reverence that the crew and the uh, executives on AMC AMC side treat the property, the more leaky a place is going to be, right? Uh, I would assume so, yeah. Because, you know, like, if you're working for a show that you really believe in and you love, why would you ever leak the script out? Yeah. Versus if you don't, if you're kind of pissed off about the way things are going or you just don't care either way and you want, you're scoring cool points with your friends and whatever insider slipping this information worth is worth more to you than I don't know. But all it takes is, I mean, that's the thing. All it takes is one asshole. Sure. So, yeah, I mean like, you know, factories that press DVDs or whatever, mm-hmm. those employees aren't exactly happy. Uh, so you see a lot of leaks out of those places. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know whether we would get more spoilers for some shows if we actively solicited them. Like we kind of, you know, did back in the day, but we kind of, 
I remember at one point where we had we started getting like scripts for The Walking Dead. Yeah. Two weeks before, and I remember we said, like, you know, this is kind of materially reducing our love of the show, and we we stopped getting because I know that those leaks, you know, obviously we we started getting them again, but those have there's like a spoiler site that actually traffics in this shit. Yeah, I think it's called Spoiling the Dead. Yeah. Um. So if you really want a, the hardcore spoilers, go over there and check it out. So those things I don't think ever went away. Just people stopped sending them to us. Which is fine. I I don't need a ton of spoilers, honestly. Mm. But uh, let's move on. Michael P. wants to talk about Andrew Lincoln's statement that this was the darkest finale The Walking Dead has ever done. He says, darkest finale is an understatement. The fucking screen went dark before anything happened. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Uh, Andrew E. Well, wait a second. I want to talk a little bit about this because there was um, Karen and Jason got into a disagreement about... Karen felt betrayed that a lot of the crew, a lot of the cast mentioned that this was like, oh, I threw up after we filmed this, and it's the darkest, most depressing thing, and like, you know, we were just shaking for days, and she's like, how... And and I... I, My my first thought is, well, they they probably filmed the actual scene, so everyone knows who did it, and like... But the way people are telling it now, they filmed it at... No one knows who's going to die. Which makes me... Arguably. Like, so I say that there's no fucking way this is the most difficult thing they've ever had to film. And there's uh, the emotional payload of someone being let go of the show is not there. Mm-hmm. So this, like, it's been a... It's been You're a, telling me it's worse than when Scott Wilson got the axe? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like for a long time, him. we've said, oh, whoa, Andrew and Andrew Lincoln says this is the best season ever. It's the most intense, most violent, right. most... Uh, and it's like, you take that with a grain of salt. Well, now, I don't take it with anything. I just refuse to take it. Yeah, I, I just... I almost don't even acknowledge that they say it. Like, I, there are people out there like um, Norman Reedus and Greg Nicotero saying they, in fact, know. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, in fact, knows, according to him, who gets who gets the bat. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's true. I don't mm-hmm. know if they haven't filmed it. I don't know if they have filmed it, but maybe they're the only actors involved, and therefore Daryl gets the bat. I just, I don't know. The message is so confusing at this point, and we've talked about maybe that's part of their strategy. Sure. If it is, it's infuriating. Yes. Uh, and it doesn't do anything for me personally. But... It would only be a cool strategy if they actually delivered on what they should have done this episode. Like, if they used that confusion to keep people from finding out until the bitter end, right, right. great, but they didn't yeah. do that. Now, um... The other thing is that, oh shit, I just completely lost my thought. I had another thought about that, um, uh-huh. and I've completely lost it. Well, it takes me back to the Entertainment Weekly magazine that I think we talked about a few weeks mm-hmm. ago, where the the cover had uh, Lucille on it, like kind of very small, hidden in the title, and it was on each. It was on each of the covers, which were kind of like the collector's edition where they have different characters on each mm-hmm. cover. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that. Right. So, like, maybe we should have seen this coming, uh-huh. given that, you know. Let me ask, so this, I remember what I wanted to talk about. Do we get uh-huh. any feedback about trying to determine who is not getting the bat? Because they have tied their hands. Like, we got all the feedback. You got 11 people, or however many people are there. There's like half of the people that cannot get the bat based on what we heard Negan say. Alone. Okay, yeah, well, there there are people who talk about that. Okay, uh, then I'll, I'll let them go. We'll we'll get to speculation. I I wanted to save all the speculation for who gets the bat for the end. Okay, that's um, fine. that way, if you've had enough of this shit and you've read the subreddit and you don't want to hear anymore, you can tune out then, <laughs> and I don't blame you one bit. 
sure. I want to get everything else done. Uh, Andrew E says, is there a whole group of Walking Dead fans who don't want to see major characters die? Are these the people keeping the money rolling in? It's a zombie show. I always thought the purpose of The Walking Dead was to show characters we've been with for years getting their guts ripped out and their faces eaten and their head bashed in with baseball bats. And how long has it been since there was a major character death? Herschel? That's negligence. I realize that TV and movies will sell you any old shit you're willing to watch, but I now feel like the show is being made to prop up IGN and slate pieces about which character died in the season finale. We're all just components of the perpetual buzz machine. I think I'm going off the grid. Uh, well, I mean that's not fair. Bob, Bob's a major character. There have been some other major character deaths. Yeah. Um, Chad Coleman. Uh, can't Be- Beth died after Herschel, right? Uh, I consider her a major character. I guess. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, you're you're right. <laughs> like guess. a like a top like a Shane. Poor Beth. Better. Yeah. When's the last yeah. time they killed a Shane or a mm. Lori? I mean, I would argue Herschel. Herschel, Herschel was that. Yeah, I yeah. guess Herschel's a main main. He, he's he's especially in that sure. especially in that season where he had a lot to do. Right. Yeah. I, I think the people they can they can kill that would be in that tier. Are like, I don't think they can kill Rick or Carl. So Michonne, sure, Daryl, yep, uh, Glenn, Maggie, Maggie, Glenn. Yeah, um, that's about it though. Uh, you you don't think Eugene and Abraham? No, they're not top tier yet. Eugene, not for me. Abraham, nah. Hmm. I think a lot I, of people I bet a lot disagree. of fans would yeah disagree with that, but not for me. I mean, okay. it's still like this small core of people that I thought make Denise this was a pretty impactful kill for not being in the A tier. Yeah, yeah, like that's that. I I was fairly satisfied with the amount of deaths we got this season, mm-hmm. except for we should have got one more. We should have yes. And there's no way. I mean, that's like you got a situation where you really can't kill someone that does that means nothing uh-huh. at that point. But uh, okay, Capricia. Says, just saw Superman vs. Batman. Let's take a minute to acknowledge that Lauren Cohan, Maggie, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Negan, are Martha and Thomas Wayne mm-hmm. in in that movie. That's true. With that said, regarding the finale, it's safe to assume that obviously Glenn is killed, Maggie dies in childbirth, and Negan raises their baby as, as if it's his kid. Bonus, Negan amasses tremendous wealth in the new world, is killed in an alley, leaving the wor- leaving the kid to grow up to become Batman but bat as in baseball bat. Well, the the, the only misstep <laughs> is that he doesn't kill Maggie. He just takes her as his vassal wife. <laughs> is that is that something in Batman? No, I'm just saying that they that they need to both be alive when they get gunned down to inspire the Batman. Oh, right, right. So yeah, and I he, mean one parent that isn't nah. enough to turn you into Batman. Nah, you got you two have parents. Both they're right in front of yeah. you with pearls. Pearl, if, if <laughs> that's the key, really. if pearls it's, hadn't broken, fallen, and bounced and rolled away in every incarnation of Batman I've ever seen, if that <laughs> that's the thing that really broke his mind, <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan, string of pearls, <laughs> gets gunned down in an alley. Yeah, might do it. Pearls, super cruise. <laughs> Riley says, "I'm disappointed we did not find out who was killed, but at the very least, I'm thankful that we did not get Glenn. There's no ambiguity. What what is, the... There's no ambiguity in that someone is." killed okay now i'm going to introduce evidence to the contrary later man uh, from okay. from some you know maybe or maybe not crackpot theorists okay all right i've got just know there's a preemptory <laughs> man coming your way oh i'm sure uh what is really interesting to me is that the first person pov shot was shot in a way that nobody needs to know who is actually killed not even the eps i think executive producers i don't know nobody is burdened with that secret over the next few months uh, I won't rage quit. It's still entertaining, and I'm still interested in the story. It's their story to tell the way they want to tell it. It's like bedtime stories with my five-year-old. 
You'll just have to wait until tomorrow night to find out what happens to our handsome pr- prince stuck under the dumpster. Uh, John says... Wait, I... So, I I still... Let, let, let's just take our uh, temperature in the room here. All right. Bigger Betrayal, season three finale or this finale? This finale. What? No, it's see, more I, recent, so it's easy to say that. But I think season three is worth because it structurally fucked up the next season by ex- artificially extending the prison storyline. This doesn't really artificially fuck up anything. It just pisses people off. Like, right. this is not salting the earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, they salted the earth so bad they had to leave Georgia and go to D.C. This is just burning the city. This is, yeah. Yeah, you can you can build on this. This is something right. you can build on. Okay. So I, I still think season three finale was my personal nadir. It was pretty terrible. But it's it's in it's a few years in the past now. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind a okay. little bit, but I, I get what you're saying. John says, I was wondering if you think The Walking Dead will ever have some kind of political message in any episodes, especially with this being a historical politi- a historic political season, whether it's something on race, abortion, economics, etc. I'm not going to say where I stand politically, just wondering your thoughts. Maybe they have already and I missed it. I think that sounds a little too risky for AMC. I, I think they have nothing to gain from it, and with the way that they've botched everything else that they've done it does not give me confidence that they wouldn't botch a political message even harder yeah and i remember being i think they had some opportunities to do that in previous seasons i remember particularly being appalled at the way they handled right. particular season two plot uh-huh i i don't see it i i feel like uh not needed honestly they're, no they're in the michael jordan school of a hey, uh republicans and democrats both buy nikes you know so uh i ain't gonna stick my neck out and piss one of them off both which is probably Hyundais. good for business what they both buy hyundais yeah Republicans and Democrats both buy whatever Ford or Hyundai they're hawking, so you you yeah. gotta keep them both on your. Uh, now they do have good list. They do kind of now that they're introducing different factions. They do kind of have an opportunity to do that. I just don't know if I want to see them take it. Do I want to see The Walking Dead do political right. satire or just commentary of any commentary? Kind, yeah. I don't think so. John. And the other thing is, I'm I I wouldn't be able to bet. I mean, I don't have. I really don't know what Kirkman's politics are. Sure. Let yeah. alone Gimple or Nicotero. So, you know, it's one of those things where do I want any show to get super political? Like, I don't know. Yeah, the show's already polarizing enough. Yeah, with its plot twist. Some shows do, and it feels feels like the ones that do are always polarizing because you know, like I'm I got enough conservative in me to be offended by some of the outrageous shit. That they perpetrate in like newsroom, right? Right. You know what I mean. So it's yeah. like I can even imagine like if you were dyed in the wool conservative, how pissed off you'd be at this will guy being passed off as your spokesperson. Yeah, and and also a super liberal guy writing all of his dialogues. That feels unfair. They're gonna come back with uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing the guitar mm-hmm. and singing over the funeral of whoever he hits with the bat. It would be interesting if you could get a writer's like room, if you could get a writer's room that had like a evenly divided political ideolo- ideologies uh-huh. where you could actually write a show that allowed the best and worst of all those arguments to actually scriptedly, you know, I, yeah, I think that would be kind of impossible to balance that though. Because like, someone everybody... has to win, right? Or you come well, away and... with like, well, I see what you mean, and I still disagree, which is kind of And how do you how do you balance it on every point? Because like you're assuming like a direct fifty fifty split on every issue there, 
between yeah. the people, and that might not be the case, right? Like, and a lot just comes because down. I think you know abortion should be legal doesn't mean I should. I think everybody needs to smoke pot or it indeed. needs to be legal. So indeed, and and also, like, how do you draw that line? In politics, come you know, the way I've approached politics in a, in a not as a non toxic way as I can is uh, realize that a lot of it's not about the facts so much as about your values and how those values influence your perceptions of the world. Sure, and those those are not right or wrong, and a lot of times they're they're both they're, they can be right in different circumstances and situations. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, that's it's too complicated for this show to try. I yes. think they'd botch it. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Cliffhangers are too complicated for this yeah. show, and they've been doing that since the days of Zorro and Flash <laughs> Gordon. Joshua from Los Angeles says, "Did you guys notice Stephen Ogg, the actor who performed as Trevor Phillips in GTA Five? was in last night's episode as the tall savior who told Rick to treat every day like the last day on Earth. I thought he was great, and I hope he's in more episodes. He was also in Better Call Saul. Yeah, I mentioned that. I did I did recognize him, but I couldn't pinpoint from where. He looked a lot like Doug Stamper as well, um, in some ways. Yeah, you know? he does. He looks like Doug Stamper's older, more Unabomber-y brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's happening a lot. Like The guy that plays Nacho in Better Call Saul is the guy that plays the big bad in Far Cry. Uh, fuck, oh, that's I can't right. remember his yeah, name, yeah. but I'm and and since they're using their likenesses more or less too, like it's it's really blurring the lines between digital Game, acting yeah. and acting and games, and yet Kevin Spacey playing characters <laughs> that's as right. Kevin Spacey, and it's pretty crazy. Yep. Uh, Connor says in in Washington says I'd be surprised if someone hasn't sent you this link. Um, Yahoo released about forty five minutes ago, so hot take here. If you haven't seen it. I think it's a good talking point. And he links me to it, and then he kind of sums it up. Here's the important and completely fucking ridiculous takeaway. Whoa. Nicotero, Gimple, and Kirkman are idiots and should not be allowed to make television anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the article is an interview with Nicotero who talks about Gimple and Kirkman's views along with his own on the finale. Here's the excerpt that infuriated me. Nicotero says, I remember growing up and sitting in the theater and watching Empire Strikes Back and having Darth Vader say, I'm your father. My mind was completely blown. I had to wait two years until I got a chance to see how that story played out, but I wasn't angry. I'm sure you can attest that this is like comparing apples to the clean side of a turd. It should never have been made. I just don't understand how they can think what they are producing is the same caliber as Empire. Empire doesn't leave you with this kind of bullshit cliffhanger. You have screen time to process the events of what happened and see character reactions. It would be like if after the I'm your father, Luke jumps down into the abyss and credits roll. I hate these guys now and officially noped out of the show. I don't know. I think it's, 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 that's the thing. Like, it's not even that. It's worse than that. It's like if, if Vader called Leia and Han and Obi-Wan and, and Luke and Admiral Akbar and Boba fucking Fett. Uh huh. And said, and then the camera perturns. So you're just looking in his mask and says, I am your father. Fade to black. <laughs> I would assume he's all their fathers. Yeah, I, I mean, like... Wh- I am one of your fathers. Like, they're... I don't know, man. It's like... He, would you rather have a discussion... Because here's the thing. Like, this discussion now that we're having about who's dead, dying... Yep. It's a mile wide and an inch deep. Whereas, right. if we know that Glenn's dead, or Daryl's dead, or, God forbid, Rick's dead. That is a very narrow discussion, but it can go super deep, because you can talk about how that's going to affect all the different other characters right. and what that means for Alexandria and, oh, what are the... But now it's like, literally the only thing you can talk about is who got it. 
And that's right. such a facile conversation, and I don't understand why Nicotero, as he's saying it, uh, and maybe that's what it is. You're just, you know, he's feeling defensive, and he's reaching sure. for grades. He's like, oh, I know something that nerds like Star Wars, and I like Star Wars, and here's how I felt when I was seven years old watching it. But, dude, it's just, right. you know, not a very thoughtful response. No, and, you know, that's sometimes a thing that I have a problem with on the podcast, too, is all of this is off the cuff, right? And sometimes you make bad analogies, and it's going to happen. What? Uh, I'm, what? I never make bad <laughs> analogies. My analogies are always spot on. Right, right. And perfectly enunciated. Uh, you know, until the internet gets a hold of them and picks them apart and says, fuck you. Uh, so, like, in the moment, I can see you saying that. Like, sticking to your guns and having kind of a thought-out response that doesn't make any sense, or at least doesn't satisfy anybody, is what I kind of dislike about their their message here i mean it, it, it just seems like the the most obvious thing in the world when you get yourself in this kind of hot water is like you know what we didn't really expect this reaction um the fans have given us a lot to think about uh we're going to use all this energy to go and make the best season seven we can right like that seems yeah. like a no like just say that that's not committing to anything it, it's yeah. all things that are true and no and, one can get angry about that no no. They acknowledge our response. They're clearly listening. They're going to take that under consideration. Who gets mad about that? I mean, if you say it four times in a row over four different disappointing seasons, then you start questioning whether, right? Yeah. you know, are you really committed to making things different? Or are, is the fan base schizophrenic? Or what the hell? I don't I don't know. But yeah. I just feel like public relations is not as hard as people make it out. And just ego gets starts fucking with people. It's pride. <laughs> pride fucking with you. Okay, Richard has um, a bit a bit of a counterpoint, maybe. Uh, what if Gimple, Kirkman, and AMC were right? Sort of. After spending Monday reading Reddit slash forums, news articles, listening to podcasts, I'm starting to think that not showing us who died was the right move for the story. Hear me out. Got my ears open. I'm not saying the cliffhanger was right. That was BS. If the last scene of the finale... Uh, was a dead main character and the other characters reacting. All the talk online and at the water cooler would be, can you believe they killed so-and-so? While a character death is pivotal and needs to be processed, I think the point of the story needs to be Rick's overconfidence coming back to bite him. The saviors being underestimated, the world being bigger than they thought, something along those lines. If the season ended with a dead main character, I think 99.9% of the fans would be focused on that and not on the new world our group is living in. This new world and what it looks like is interesting is the interesting thing, and talking about what is next would tide people like me over until October. I would propose the following. Actually, let me address that point. So I think you they, they fucked it up by making the question, who is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is literally all people are talking about because they have nothing else to talk about. It's, yes. Uh, there were a couple emails that came in, and I think I'm going to read some of them um, about you know, specific things that are going on in that scene uh, and thematic stuff that just gets completely glossed over by the who is it question. And I think without that who is it, you'd have people contemplating it more. No, I that's, the, I guess, my, my problem with this thesis is if you really want people to talk about the world and the ramifications are living on it, then get past the obvious question. Right. And, and leave them, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that they needed another 30 minutes after the death to you know have a whole coda and all that no i mean you just 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 it 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 opens up the conversation by eliminating that this is the type of cliffhanger that constrains the conversation and yep uh, anyway let's let's go on to his other points 
Uh, okay, so Richard continues. I would propose the following. Season 6, episode 15, would have ended with what we saw on Sunday, but the episode would end by showing who died and the character's reaction. Season 6, episode 16, would pick up right after episode 15, Faded to Black, and the season finale would focus on the new broken group, the loss of whoever, Negan going over how things are going to be moving forward, the saviors picking up half their stuff, you get the idea. The episode wouldn't move forward, but would show the group's realization of their new life and looking at that path forward. I can actually get behind that. You know, like, this kind of denouement moment um with with the character getting his brains bashed in and then going and showing us what this new world is going to be like for them going into season seven and now ask the question like is this a place they want to live can they live in that and if not what are they going to do about it that tends to be the approach game of thrones favors right and we had a lot of people writing in asking should they adopt that format for this show and i think that format works really well where they go you know, right up toward the end of the season, give you the big climax, and then kind of settle in for the next season before the season's over. Arguably, they got away a little bit from that last season. Um, right. But no, I feel like that that was always... I was amazed that, you know, because I had not read the books going into season one of Game of Thrones, and when the shocking thing that happens in season one happens, it's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, this is only, like, episode nine. Might even be... And then the next episode was showing you i guess cliffhangers but they're essentially people reacting to that and the excitement was oh man isn't it going to be cool when the black brothers ride from fourth the gates and when rob stark mounts up for war and when the lannisters count their gold and when you know like i, I mean it's you know what i'm saying like they, right, they right. You, you get excited from the energy of what happened in the big thing i guess yeah you can yes. get to theorizing about the world instead of wondering who is it this shit is what wrestling fans call cheap heat it's hmm. like, you know, dressing a dude up like a Muslim, getting him in the ring and having him flip off the right, crowd. Right. Like, yeah, that fucking gets people angry and booing and shit, but it's all cheap. It's nothing that's really going to, and you're going to get tired of it really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. I, I can honestly get behind the scenario he, he proposes, but with the caveat that Tara also comes back, finds out about Denise, finds out about this person that's been beat to death, mm-hmm. and she's part of dealing with this new world. Yeah. Because I think that's a big piece of the puzzle that hasn't been addressed yet. When Tara comes back, finds out about Denise, it's going to be... Sure. Yep. There's a lot of emotional punch waiting for us. Honestly, I feel like they kind of fucked that up, too, because she's going to come back and be devastated, and everybody else is going to move on to the next. Right. Like, that's kind Denise of... Denise is so last week. Yeah. So last week, Tara. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, the, you know, Liv Tyler's character from The Leftovers. You know, like her mom died the day before 2% right. of the world. So yes. she's like, her thunder got stole. And I wonder uh, if there'll be a little bit of that alienation from Tara. If this show's smart enough to play with something like that? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. But we'll see. Uh, Paisley says, one of the most frustrating things about The Walking Dead is not just being forced to endure wildly out of character behavior but also seeing any and all characters forced to do things no average person would in those same situations. All through the episode where Denise was killed, I was racking my brain wondering why did no one point out she was the only medic and therefore too precious a commodity to risk going on a run. Well, after the series finale, I finally know the answer. They needed her dead to force everyone and their mother to leave Alexandria and take Maggie to see the doctor in the next town over. Had Denise been alive, there would be no reason for the Maggie Roadshow. It's infuriating. They force their characters into ridiculous contortions just to get to the plot uh, where they think it needs to be. Logic and internal consistency be damned. I mean, I don't know that Denise... It's never been more obvious. She's not an obstetrician. 
Um, but yes, like when I say a lot of times you can hear the click clack of the, the, the typewriters from the writer's room in the script, yeah. this show, I'm glad people, more people are finally seeing it, but this show does that constantly yeah. engineers, these crazy situations just so they can get to the next plot point they want to get to mm-hmm. instead of sitting down and like, okay, okay, these plot points are all good, but let's think of an organic way for this to happen. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes they get lucky and stuff just kind of flows, but... Uh, Dancy has what I would label a crackpot theory, perhaps, but given the Glenn fiasco, um, it may be possible that this is a trick. Let's hear him out. Dancy, got my, my whiny man on a I hair know. trigger. <laughs> get, get it ready. Dancy, I know you and the rest of the internet hated how they ended season six. When I originally watched the first-person POV and cut to black after Negan's beatdown of the mystery Alexandrian, it didn't bother me as an ending. The more I pondered it and formulated my thoughts, I was able to rationalize why. I honestly don't think he killed whoever he was pummeling. He may have beaten them senselessly, uh, or senseless, but if you think about it, how much more sadistic would it be if whoever he was hitting didn't die? If they were beaten to an inch of their life, they survived... Um, yet they survived maimed and a constant sign to the rest of the crew not to mess with Negan. A walking reminder of his ruthlessness as the as they slink around scared beyond recognition. I went back and I watched the ending one more time and Negan explicitly says, you don't think that you were going to get through this without being punished now, did you? Uh, I don't want to kill you people. I just want to make it clear from the get-go. I want you to work for me. Can't do that if you're dead, now can you? So now I'm going to beat the holy hell out of one of you. To me, this would be a brilliant ending to a stellar half season, especially since most people assume that someone is dead based on the route the comics went. I disagree with your analysis of the dialogue there, sir. Okay. Um, I think that you are ignoring the fact that multiple times the episode they said, we're going to have to kill one of you. And also, like, I don't know, like... In Daredevil, people can take baseball bats to the head and be okay. Right. In real life, you take a couple solid shots with a baseball bat, you're dead. Like, your brain can't take that much trauma. Yeah. And, yes, like, I I do fully endorse your idea of, like, it'd be quote-unquote cool. You know, not in the psychotic, but in the storytelling. It'd be percent. subversive. It'd be subversive you know? to do, like, you know, a play to the to the pain. Where you just turn right. someone to freakish misery, but you spare their life, so they're a continual reminder of what happens when... But, on the other hand, you know, beating someone's brains out right in front of their loved ones uh, is something that they're going to have a hard time getting out of their heads, too. <laughs> stick with them, yeah. Yeah. So... But I, only if it's a major character. I, I Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that... No, I think for in-universe, they're all loving each other, but, you know, you're talking about meta-reasons. yeah. You know, if you want to hurt the fans as much as you hurt your characters, then you got to do something that you got to do. You got to kill a beloved character. Like it's not certainly not enough. Like like Rosita, yeah, or I mean, it's interesting because I think even in universe there are tiers of characters. Like if he bashes Carl's head in with a bat, Rick goes ape shit. Rick can't help himself. So does Michonne. If he bashes in Aaron's head with a bat. Rick's not going ape shit. Yeah. He's going to be like, God right. damn it. Or he beat Spencer. that kid to death. They beat Spencer to death. And right. Like, does that raise anyone's pulse? There are still classes yeah, you... of citizens in Rick's sure. utopia. Sure, sure. Uh, so let's not kid ourselves, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's got to be someone major to, to all the characters, which is why... I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know who they can kill that's major to everyone. 
Like, does Aaron feel the same connection? Is is Rick in his mind? You know, if they kill as Aaron. If they kill as... Aaron or Rosita, that's that's cheaping out. I think so. Is Rosita there? Rosita's yeah, there. She's yeah. There. Uh, I, I feel like that's that's cheaping out. Yeah. Uh, honestly, killing Sasha is cheaping out because that would mean a lot to Abraham. But right. Sasha has not been my favorite character for a long time, and I don't really care that much about Abraham. I know a lot of fans disagree. But to me, you ha- it's got to be Glenn, Daryl, Abraham. That's pretty much... I think that's the three. Michonne. Okay. But I know it's not Michonne because things Reasons. that Negan says while he's beating him in first-person view. All right. We'll get there. Uh, advice column time. Jordan D., Long-time listener, first-time me mailer While listening to your take on Season 6, Episode 16, I was reminded of my experience that relates to Aaron's Destiny comparison of hardcore fans trying to convince non-hardcore fans to watch The Walking Dead. My roommates and I have been pretty faithful watchers up until Season 6, Morgalizing 101 episode Here Not Here. Uh, unfortunately, they fell asleep during that episode and just flat-out gave up of death. <laughs> indefinitely after the Glenn fiasco in Thank You. I, on the other hand, continued to trudge through the BS and was also given new hope when a string of three episodes actually turned out to be quality television. I promised them if five episodes in a row could manage to be somewhat good, I'd force them to catch up and we'd all enjoy a finale that would be impossible for the showrunners to screw up. Well, fast forward to Sunday afternoon when one brave roommate took me up on the challenge and I powered him through about eight episodes worth of recapping within four hours. We eventually gathered with a few friends, uh, but needless to say... He was quite drama fatigued by that time um, mm-hmm. when they started watching the finale. After it was over and the pure disappointment was clearly visible upon all of us, I immediately knew that this was the last episode of The Walking Dead my roommate would ever watch, which he confirmed later. Quite sad, really, as I'm sure the show will still deliver great moments, but it made me realize I've come to a point where I'm almost embarrassed that I still watch this show after how many times I told my friends I'm going to stop watching. I know what you mean. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's vowed to never recommend it to anyone after this disappointing finale. How are Kirkman and crew not seeing this happening to the fans? And that's, you know, when when you turn your evangelical fan base into an embarrassed fan base. Yeah. Uh, they stop talking about it. They stop evangelizing. Yeah, it's 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 the kiss. It seems like it's the kiss of death. And I, I even got a little bit of this thing because I know Jason from the Nattercast was like on his Facebook site. And he's like, he was in the midst of the good part of the run. He's like, I thought everyone said the walking. I went back and watched <laughs> the last three episodes. What the fuck you talk? And I'm like, shit. <laughs> Even when it's really good, it's still below a lot of people's standards, and I sure. felt like an asshole. Uh, but you know, sometimes uh, it's not a great place to be in in fandom. No, and I mean, I I would recommend you know don't don't evangelize it so much to your friends because you know it is hit or miss, and God forbid they they jump in on a miss episode, yeah, uh, and they check out forever. I just think you need to embrace the idea that you're not watching this because it's a super super high-end quality show just say look i don't say you'll quit watching just say yeah i watch it it's not great but i enjoy it yeah like just give in to the fact that you may not be doing something employee you don't work in the parks you work on the boats that save sea turtles and and the work on ocean conservation you know that just because they're torturing whales to death doesn't mean what you're doing is bad like just right. learn to learn to look at the the good the good things in whatever you're doing and ignore the bad. <laughs> as long is as that what you're pay- advising? As long as you get a paycheck, I don't know. I yeah I uh, no I was just being snarky about I know Sea yeah. World. Okay, Nick W. Despite my disappointment around the ending of the sixth season of The Walking Dead, there are definitely some interesting questions that the writers could address in season seven. One of which is. 
How will Rick and Carl's relationship be impacted by the events of the finale? If you watch the second Savior Roadblock scene, um, a.k.a. the Bitch Nuts Roadblock, Mm -hmm. you will notice that Carl suggests to the group that they end it now and take on the handful of Saviors blocking the route to the hilltop. To me, Carl made this suggestion because he felt that, uh, that that would be the decision Rick would have made when he is at his best. Also to Carl, deciding to take out... Uh, the Saviors at that moment, despite a nearly 3-1 to one numbers disadvantage, may have been their best shot to reach their goal while also showing the Saviors that they will not be intimidated after the exchange they had at roadblock number one. Instead, Rick tells his son no, as his cockiness and arrogance leads him to believe that if they keep moving, the group could outsmart and outmaneuver the Saviors to avoid a confrontation at that moment and still get Maggie to the hilltop without harming anyone in his group. Looking at these events through Carl's eyes, I have to believe that at a minimum, some of the trust that Rick has earned with him over the course of the series will be lost as the direct consequence of Rick's decision is the brutal death of, insert, dead main character's name here. Though Rick may have arguably made the best decision he could make at the moment, given the facts that he had at the time, do you think that any of the events that play out during the season finale will negatively impact Rick's relationship with the future serial killer Carl going forward? Not just Carl... Because their relationship's always kind of an interesting dance anyway, or has been, right. you know, since season three or so, uh, certainly the farmer season. But Rick has made his bones on being the badass. He promised the Hilltop protection from Negan in response to all their stuff. He failed to deliver. The other thing, so yes, I feel like that he's going to have, it's going to be a rough world for one Rick Grimes to live in because, you know, depending on who gets beat to death, you can imagine the personal feelings about that and his son and he comes home and he's now been conquered by neat, like, mm-hmm. you know, what little political capital he had seems like it's, it's, it's gone now. And I, I wonder uh, how he'll get it back. The other thing is, I've thought about this a lot. Do you think that the roadblocks was kind of a series of tests? Like, let's say that Rick's group does just gun down Negan's group in the first or second roadblock. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Negan then says, yeah, boys, these guys are wolves, not sheep. Round them up, kill them. Maybe. Whereas the fact that Rick was trying to avoid violence showed enough softness that, that Negan's like, nah, these are sheep. We, we get them, we brand them, and hmm. they're going to work for us. Could be. Could be. Um, then, there also may be further roadblocks after that roadblock, you know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't yeah. think Negan's like, oh, you shot her, guys. You're, you know, ollie ollie oxen free. I think it's more, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if there wasn't a particular, like, I could see him sacrificing a half dozen of his men just to find out whether he needs to spare a town or raise it to the ground, you know. Right. It's It's kind of the Genghis Khan, like. You know, I'm either going to kill your old town or I'm going to kill a representative sample of you and then put you to work. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, Patience B says, I think I may be one of the only people who's glad they didn't show who was killed. Uh, in the moment, I was pissed because... There's dozens of you. Dozens. <laughs> Literally dozens. <laughs> in the moment, I was pissed, but then I quickly realized something. I don't even care. I care about our characters, and there are a few that I would be truly sad to see die, but here's my take. I love that scene... Uh, that that scene was more about Negan and less about who he is killing and our people. Rick was clearly terrified and shaking the whole time. We see great actors showing real fear, which was a real connection to our people. If they had shown us who was killed, the terror on all their faces and the loss on of one of ours uh, would have seriously overshadowed the character of Negan. I know I'm in the minority, but I like that the last taste of my mouth for this season is Negan. My thoughts are on Negan, and I'm actually sad to think that he is the villain, I'm looking forward to how our heroes handle this new situation, but I'm worried 
That will mean the eventual death of Negan, and right now I'm incredibly conflicted about that. Maybe it was a ploy to get people asking, who is it? But for me, it just created a million curiosities about Negan. I'd rather think, who is this guy, and what is he about? Uh, And I want a sister show following him as the hero instead of Fear the Walking Dead. Okay, I admit, it doesn't hurt that he's incredibly sexy. So, obviously biased review here from Negan, incredibly sexy. You heard it here first. Yep. Uh, Okay. I I don't see how Negan beating someone's brains in with a bat makes it not about Negan. That tells you a lot about, I mean, and they did, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. I, I mean, I'm with you. I, still I clearly on him, don't agree, I think I, yeah, but I, I did want to, you know, provide some comments from the other side of this. Sure. Uh, Rachel from Michigan says, you guys didn't bring up Andrew Lincoln's awesome acting in the finale when he was surrounded by Negan's men. We didn't, we really didn't. Might, maybe I not because that's some, sometimes I will say in a more negative podcast that the, Bad overshadows the good. And I try oh, yeah. to remember oh, to yeah. cut the to shout out the stuff that still works, but uh no, I thought I thought he was very well written and very well acted. Like I liked oh, yeah, I liked acted. seeing his cocky arrogance dissolve into animal fear in the span of, you know, ninety minutes. Yeah. No, I the even yeah, like you said, the road to it to that scene was awesome. Uh, Rachel goes on, Rick looked more terrified than I've ever seen him. He knew he was fucked and his fear made me feel even more scared. Amazing acting. Yes, I agree. Uh, also rewatching this season, I noticed after the wolf attack that when Carol started smoking, this was signaling another change in her. She continues to smoke as she feels guilty about the killing she's done Carol and enters smoke? another transformation. Carol smoke heralding a Pope, change. Pope Carol the, the fourth here. Oh my God. Uh, smoke theory's back on. Right. And it's something we, I mean, I don't think it was ever even really a theory it was more like fact right like we saw oh yeah that's something it was thematic fact sure it's something they were definitely doing on the show and you know we didn't even think about it when she starts actually smoking here but makes a lot of sense if we were a better podcast we would have picked that up we would have and that's why we have listeners like rachel uh helping us be a better podcast (laughs) she finishes up with while i prefer rambo carol and want her to get over her guilt i do appreciate the writers continuing the theme of smoke equals change for carol and the callback to the consumed episode. Yep, I agree. I like that a lot now that I noticed it, or now that I had it pointed out. Same here. Megium says, "I love the trailer that uh, I love the trailer that comes out in the middle of summer. But how can they film one when most of the cast is part of the spoilers? They can't show Rick, Carl, Michonne, Glenn, Maggie, Daryl, Abraham, Rosita, Sasha, Aaron, or Eugene. I could see Carol and Morgan getting featured in the last minute of the trailer." Otherwise, that leaves Father Gabriel, girl stuck in a closet, and a baby, none of which are worth filming. Well, the, the other it's thing a is, fair point. The summer trailer is always more about black and white pictures of Rick, right. fa- you know. Here's what I would in. do I would do a trailer that's everyone getting hit with a bat. Or you do I would tra- lean into it and yeah. say, this here's a shot of Glenn getting hit, here's a shot of Michonne, here's a shot of Judith. All of them. I wish I could lay odds on this in Vegas because I bet you're just going to see a bunch of still shots of people looking haggard to the camera yeah. with a voiceover Negan saying "eeny meeny miny mo." They have to lean into it. There's no other way to do it. Yeah, but they, that's a teaser. That's not a trailer. That's like, I, have they done like actual trailers? Well, I don't for, remember. Again, I feel like it's fairly obvious that they can show Rick, Carl, Michonne, Maggie, Rosita. Uh, okay. I do. I, I think you start to narrow the the list down a little too much if you start showing those people. 
in like actual scenes. But I'm saying they've already narrowed it down. I mean, do we do we want to talk? I mean, I'm waiting for the feedback to talk nope, about that particular thing. Ah, damn it. But yeah, I, I just think they should make a make a trailer shows everybody getting hit, including like Father Gabriel, so you know it can't be real. Uh, I think it'd be good. Yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones had an effective teaser for the season. I thought with the faces of the dead. Oh yeah, yeah. And you think that they're, and then they, you're like, oh my god, confirmation, and then they start fucking with you. So yeah. like that would be the way to go if you did that, and then like you see Father Gabriel, I'm like, okay, right, something's afoot. All right, I could get down with that. Anthony P has a better version of Carol's arc um, in this season, and I think this is interesting, something to consider. Uh, I was having an argument with my friends over the Carol arc. They agree that Carol's turn to pacifism came out of nowhere, but they more or less understood it. They argued, as did the show, that she has been slipping for a while, and the Alicia Witt slash Killing Room sequence was the breaking point. The fundamental flaw with that, however, is that the show never presented a clear starting point for her descent. Because of that, I argue that the Alicia Witt Killing Room sequence should have, <clears throat> excuse me, should have been the starting point rather than the breaking point. Here's my proposal for the ideal version. The Savior's Compound, Raid, and Alicia Witt episode should have been the starting point. It was the first truly savage act in a while. It wasn't self-defense. It was breaking into a compound and murdering people in their sleep. That is brutal. Ironically, she wasn't even technically there because she was elsewhere getting caught, but imagine if she had to do both. That's some PTSD-causing shit. If they did that, she'd never have left the group before the Negan scene. She'd be there to see Negan savagely murder whoever. She'd see that this was all her current life offered, pure brutality, being with Rick's group would promise that a life where she'd have to live to kill all those saviors and probably be a part of a savior S group herself as Negan is, uh, is a future portrayal of Rick. If she cut and run there, I would buy her entire pacifism arc thoughts. Yeah. I mean, we've always said something didn't sit right with us. That's not bad. I, I do feel like the day they put everything on the screen that you needed to know. And my interpretation is Carol, was the tough person that she needed to be to survive out in the wilderness. And then she got to uh, Alexandria and she perpetuated that facade, you know, by being, by wearing the housewife happy mom mask to, you know, get intel and to get in so they could, she could exploit it. She's still in that wilderness wolf mentality. Yeah. But at some point she actually relaxes and starts being genuinely that person that she used to be. Like, maybe she even dreamed of being before she got married to Ed and all her dreams during nightmares. Uh, and, you know, it's like the human capacity for hardship is pretty immense. But then if you take a person that's been living this hardship and then you, you know, give them normalcy and then you, you, you expose them to hardship, it's like they're hypersensitized to that. Yeah. So, like, when she had to go back and do that again, that's when she started. And also, like, you know, Morgan getting her ear. I feel like that that is all there. We just needed another scene or two of dialogue with her saying yeah, it needs something, something about, you know, Rick. Like, like, it's like say her sign for patrol and her coming to Rick and being like, you know... I know I did a lot of things that I might not be proud of. I I don't know. I don't. I'm not a writer. Yeah, I can't tell you what would have done it for me. Yeah. I can just tell you that they barely scraped by on the Carol plot for me. Barely. It, it just feels a little loose. And I had to connect a lot of those dots myself. Right. When and I, you know, I always like show versus tell, but I think you do have to do a little bit of both mm-hmm. um, to 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 catch everybody up to speed, especially when you've taught someone like you've spent a long time molding someone into a badass. Right, and then to have him, you know, completely turn around from that. 
Kind of like Farmer Rick. Farmer Rick never really sat well either. But that's something I never th- thought he really truly believed in. He was right. just trying to avoid his son turning into a serial killer. Yeah. So, okay, that that was an obvious, whereas Carol, the stressors and the things pushing her in those directions are not as obvious. Yep, I agree. Christina says, a couple thoughts after listening to the last podcast and after the season finale aired. Uh, is it possible that the showrunners have multiple scripts for next season that they may film a couple different options to keep who got killed under wraps until the season opener? For example, a storyline for Daryl, Glenn, Eugene, etc., uh, not with the budget that AMC has on this show. No, uh, they will <laughs> not film sh- anything. They don't have to. I, sure. I don't, that would be, I think that's actually an interesting idea that they very well might pull off. Uh, okay. Like supposedly they did that with the uh, empire strikes back. They filmed David Prowse saying a bunch of things like Obi-Wan is your father and you know, other equally plausible shocking things. Or maybe that's the dialogue right. that they actually had him say on the set and then they changed it to the. Other th- I, I don't maybe know. Maybe that's why Nicotero made the ESB connection. Oh, or maybe this is just me misremembering my facts. But uh, no, I, I think that would be great. And it'd be a way to kind of uh, rope a dope the spoilers or confound them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christina goes on with all the focus being on who Negan killed. No one is worried about Carol, who has three to four bullet holes in her from close range. <laughs> Isn't anyone concerned about this? I haven't cared for Carol's change of heart this season, but our main characters seem to be bulletproof. Uh, what do you think about that? Like the status of Carol is still very much up in the air. I think now what I would say from a dramatic writing standpoint, they wouldn't have Morgan make the decision to kill unless he could actually save Carol. Uh, Unless they're going down this straight up tragedy route where he does (laughs) abandon all of his morals to accomplish this thing and then fails at it. Well, no, I think that would actually be the most interesting thing. Right, right. Like, but, that just goes to reinforce his point. You never know. You know I just took a sure. life and I didn't have to. I I don't see them going there. I think they're going more with, like, well, three the or four bullets, is, not a big deal. Yeah, that's the, the, the in the Walking Dead universe. Yeah. She's in serious but fairly stable condition. Help is in sight. They are going to get her this help. She will be fine. Okay. I'm with you. I think she'll be fine. Uh, like Scott. she did fully recover in like six hours from a coma in the the Slaptown Hospital. That's right. She's got a. Mute, She's she might have a mutant healing factor. <laughs> we can't rule that out. Scott says it was a bad idea to not show who Negan killed. No, no kidding, Scott. <laughs> that is that is an <laughs> understated way to start a, a feedback. I gotta yep. say, respect. Uh, it was anticlimactic and absurd. Still, why did it feel that way? Why did we feel it had to be shown? Was it because that is what happened in the comics and therefore that is what needs to happen in the show? Isn't it just another remix that maybe did not work so well? Yeah. Uh, I don't know that just because our expectations were subverted, we are allowed to be so upset as viewers. Sometimes this is a good thing, honestly. Again, I did not love it, but it is one moment and certainly not divisive enough to make me stop watching the show. If I don't like the show as a whole, I will stop watching the show, but I'm not there. It is a sad fact uh, sorry, it is sad that the fact that this was a pretty good episode gets lost in the shuffle as well. And again, this is all coming from someone who didn't like the fact that they hid the reveal. I don't know. Maybe I just feel bad for Kirkman and Gimple because I do think they care about the fans and think they're making a good show. Uh, to me, it has nothing to do with with it needing to happen because it happened in the comics. I couldn't give a shit how it happens in comics. Uh, it's all about that moment and the emotional aspect of it being undermined the power of it being undermined by not showing who uh, who gets the bat. And really, 
the entire build-up, the entire episode being undermined by it. Yeah, what you're saying is the nuts and bolts of storytelling dictate that it should have gone down this way. I think so. And I don't think you can... That's the thing, like... You can't argue with what the nuts and bolts of storytelling are, okay? You can, you can, you can, you can flout, play fast and loose with You those, can but... flout the conventions, but then the conversation becomes, did it work? Right. And, and here it's like, it I not. feel like there's a lot of people trying to argue both sides of this, that... Well, it didn't have to go down this way, so it could happen anyway. And then, what's their complaint about? Well, no, like it's one fundamental of problems with the storytelling. Yeah, visual storytelling has rules that've been laid down over the last century, and, and, and they're, they're not wi- based on nothing. I mean, they're based on the human and they're, they're, condition, right? Like, like if you know, if you want to go back to like Greek tragedies and comedies, it's been something right. that we've been crafting for thousands of years. This way to tell a story, and you. You can flaunt those conventions and play with them and get interesting effects, but again, the the answer is always, did it work? In yeah. this case, I think the vast majority of people would agree that it did not. And yeah. that's the thing. Like, I and there's another one. It's like there's a lot of hand waving in this. It's like, well, it's just another remix. Well, I mean, you know, like I can pat you on the shoulder, I can kick you in the balls. Those are both physical acts of touching. But they have a lot of, you know, a a big difference in how they impact the target. So, like, I don't know. Um, That is a lot of double talk and circular, circular arguing. I would, I would interject. Okay. And there might be a lot of, a lot of sympathy, and it's probably rooted in the sympathy for Gimple, which. Sure. Hey, man, I, I, I feel, I feel for the dude. No one wants to make a bummer of a show. (laughs) No. And then have to go on national TV and defend it. Yeah, I don't. I don't like making bummers of podcasts. It sucks. Yep. Uh, Moji from Connecticut has uh, some levity here. I have a theory on why the producers have been fading to black at the end of the last two episodes because um, they did it after Daryl was shot and they did it on this one. I think it's an elaborate scheme that will increase the fade over the next season. Eventually, they will run a completely black episode, which will allow them to not only save on production, but more importantly, to roll out the next spinoff, The Walking Dead Radio Hour. <laughs> if so, would you consider podcasting it? Uh, yeah, I, I would. Sure, why not? Totally would. That's like, uh, I wonder what the... We're still alive. Is it st- we're still alive? We're, uh, we're alive. Yeah. We're alive? Like, they might uh, uh, file some kind of injunction. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Different story. That's zombies. True. They don't own zombies. That's true. <laughs> Nobody or does. radio dramas or anything yeah. like that. Uh, someone might have if Romero had remembered uh, to to sweat his production company a little bit sure, more or sure. his distributor a little more. Christina says, I was listening to your podcast and had a thought. The Walking Dead trailer for Comic-Con. What if they do kind of like what they did for the mid-season premiere and reveal who died then? For example, a brief clip of two characters talking about how horrid it was that dead person died during the trailer. This would allow them the ability to avoid having to show the gruesome details of the character death and start the new season off without having to backtrack and try and win back some fans. Thoughts? Well, Gimple, I think, or maybe it's Nicotero, went on record that says the beginning is because we had a whole bunch of jokes like, oh, now it's time for the three-episode Carol and Morgan Roadshow as they go off to Horseland and fight... And, and get right. medicine and aid, uh, which would be, to, I mean, that's, I don't think that's being mean. That's actually just trying to brace for impact, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but they've, high level of people in the show, I don't remember which one, I've gone on record saying the very first scene of season seven is going to be the resolution to this matter, and it's going to be graphic, and it's going to be what we're waiting for. So yeah. 
walking that back and revealing this stuff during a trailer is like that's the worst case scenario. Because there's one thing if this shit gets leaked out and it gets spoiled for you that way. That's but if the, if the company does it themselves, like really, what were you thinking? What what yeah. what were you thinking? Uh, Matt from New York City. We need to get New York. Sorry, the whole cr- we need to get the whole crew on Doctor Phil. Have him get him, get him on the couch and just individually ask them what they were uh, thinking. Have a tearful breakdown. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Matt in New York says, you mentioned on your previous cast that the blame for the ending may fall with AMC executives and not the creative staff of The Walking Dead. This is certainly possible, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, I seem to recall AMC corporate being very hands-off with Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Of course, those aren't the cash cows that The Walking Dead is, and no one could argue that they are hands-on with The Walking Dead, so they can actually be hands-off on more objectively superior shows, but it still seems so inconsistent. Am I wrong in my belief as to how those shows, as to how they treated those shows? Yeah, this is something that a lot of people wrote in about, and I wanted to clear up some misconceptions, because Breaking Bad and Mad Men are not AMC shows. Nope. They are distributed. They are aired by AMC the network they are created well breaking bad is created by sony who's yep. i don't who's mad men uh, i don't know i don't know the studio that made mad men but it wasn't amc's studios um it so, might have been sony too because there was some talk about no 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 never mind never mind i'm getting I, yeah i'm not sure but regardless both of those shows are not amc owned shows they were shows that so, that the AMC purchased and negotiated for the rights to distribute. Right. But they were not, you they, know, they, they were the not shows. AMC studios in the way that the walking dead is right. AMC wholly owns all. Well, you know, they did some magic, some hand wavy loophole shit to sell the rights for cheaper to themselves, uh-huh. take some tax credits or something. Uh, so they are like AMC studios has, has made the show, and then AMC, the network, is like licensing it from their subsidiary company. But that's it's come real on. weird. But they own the whole operation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and also, AMC wanted like there was a lot of wrangling over Breaking Bad's final season. Yep. They wanted uh, eight episodes, and they were like, "No, we need twelve to do this." And Sony threatened to shop it around to other networks. Sure. They were like, "We're going to take this to HBO. We're going to take this to other places." And eventually, they they decided on. Which that okay, would have never happened. That would have been a lawsuit from hell, and it would have, we'd have never gotten a final season. But that's the leverage they had because AMC didn't own them. Exactly. Um, like so instead, they did the two eight episode chunks. They said, yes. "Okay, we'll space it over uh, X amount of time." Yes. And uh, after so, his other comment on this. Um, also, The Walking Dead is surely not Golden Age of Television, Alan Seppenwall-level TV, but I think its base premise to follow civilization and the reactions there, too, if executed way better, could have led to it being on a level close to a Breaking Bad. Why did they choose The Walking Dead then as a sacrificial lamb, choosing bottom line over creativity? Is it because it went off the rails so early in its run? Because they recognized that their ever-changing creative staff couldn't hold a candle to Weiner or Gilligan? Uh, sorry, Weiner or Gilligan. Uh, I think these writers are just clueless and trapped in their own bubble echo chamber that they actually think what they're doing is good. Puke City. Uh, but I'll be back in October. That's the funny part. So so after season one, I mean, AMC's actively doing this to themselves. Like, don't make any mistakes about whether or not this show is being directed by AMC, the network. Mm-hmm. Like, after season one, there were a whole bunch of budget cuts. They lengthened the season. 
they essentially drove away all their creative talent and gave and, and that's what uh, Darabont said. It's like you want me to right. do more episodes for less money, and you're going to pocket tax credits that we're now getting, and like all all of this shit. Yeah, and that was back before. That was back when they were only getting six million people watching, and before it was right. super endorsed. No, this show could. I don't think anyone like Septonwall or anyone said that this show couldn't be a boutique critical darling hit, and it was on that trajectory. Like, imagine if. Season yeah. one of The Walking Dead made a, a seat like the sophomore jump mm-hmm. and improved and like, you know, kind of like Breaking Bad, like, oh, that's pretty good. And then season two is really good. And season three is amazing. I mean, I, I weep when I think about what the show would have been like <laughs> if they kept the Darabont crew around. I mean, yeah. And I've heard lots of different things, whether it was it, now, some people want to say it was like an ego battle between Darabont and Kirkman. I think it's probably more being squeezed by executives at AMC by, by the money people. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. Like, and I don't know, maybe, maybe if Kirkman had gotten solidarity behind Darabont and been like, no, nah, we need, you know, this is what we got to do. Maybe, maybe he was, I, I don't know. And I haven't got, I've gotten more of the story as the years gone by, but I don't feel like I got this whole story. Yeah. But, but bottom line is they are owned by AMC in a much tighter, more real way than any other show that they, that, that you can compare to the quote unquote golden age. Yeah. Brett F. in Hawaii says, while watching that clean end of a turd finale, I kept thinking about the unnamed savior who keeps tracking, uh, trapping Rick and his crew, um, that Steve Ogg guy. Seems so familiar to me, then he dawned on me he's Doug Stamper from House of Cards. Uh, <laughs> think about it, two guys from the D.C. Alexandria, Virginia area, know a thing or two about plotting and scheming and work for maniacal overlords. Uh, on that note, what character from other shows would you like to see appear on The Walking Dead? I know the top of my list would be Boyd Crowder and the Hound Sandor Clegane. I can you imagine like the wrecking ball that the Hound would be, the hell that he would rot upon this this universe. He never fired a gun, right? Uh, but I don't think that would matter, honestly. Yeah, I mean, full plate armor. He's not going to get you know, forget. You just send him into the zombies, and it probably yeah. like he'll take a whole whole herd down by himself i think it'd be amazing i like i like boyd crowder uh how about frank castle oh the punisher man. from this season of netflix or uh, yeah. daredevil how how does that work shane and it's just a new character frank man. castle in it the happens. same universe it happens okay. uh that would be pretty sweet um yeah uh lucas hood uh from banshee would be a interesting character because he's got many specialties and he's ruthless and uh, that would be pretty sweet. You got any other ideas? MacGyver. MacGyver. Iron Man. I don't know. We did. We did. <laughs> yeah. Like in the early days <laughs> of, of, of Bald Move, uh, I can't remember what episode, but one of our Blue Yonders, we did a zombie survival draft where the three hosts at the time, me, you, and Peter Street, uh, chose seven people from all of fiction mm-hmm. to be our perfect zombie survival group. And, uh, you know, you start bringing in like the Iron Mans and the Boba Fetts and yeah. The, the only caveat Han was Solos. no superpowers. Right? Yeah, they had to be no no human. androids, cyborgs, yeah. aliens, or superheroes. Uh, but there was a lot of loopholes. Like Iron Man's not super heroic; he just has his signature equipment. So right. Anyway, all right. David says, "My question for you is: This still a zombie show? The zombies are so pathetic and just an afterthought. Do you see them making any kind of comeback where they are actually the true threat again?" Also, were the zombies more formidable in the comics? Uh, I yeah, I I think the zombie threat is largely over. I think the last gasp of the zombies was that herd we saw at the end slash beginning of the mid season. 
Well, I mean, I don't know. I think they're. It's kind of like. Uh, uh, I guess their their threat level is essentially baseline crazy wild animals. Like if you're in the middle of the jungle, you always had to watch your back for right, tigers but, and stuff. Yeah. But as far as them being the existential threat, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't say a lot because I've read the comics way past where we're at in the show. So Yeah, I think in the comics, basically, they, up, up to where we are now, it's been roughly the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like some of the same events have happened with the zombies. So, uh, man, we still have a lot of emails to go here. Uh, let's talk about the writing for a little bit. Um, Ashley says, after listening to your podcast on the finale, I've come around to the idea that this cliffhanger wasn't necessarily a decision from Gimple or Kirkman. Despite what I may think about Scott as a showrunner, I've always thought he was a gifted storyteller, and this is simply not good storytelling. So it is a bit hard to believe that he'd be behind this. I wonder the same thing about the mid-season finale. For instance, I thought most of season four was pretty great, but the finales in particular, Too Far Gone and A, were perfect ends to their arcs, and they got me really excited about Scott taking over. So to see this decline in his work has been strange, and it feels as though Kirkman hasn't been as involved this season since he has so many other projects, and this is the first season where he didn't write any episodes. So I wonder if that has something to do with it, on top of what seems to to be a lot of network interference. Aside from that, I had a question... um, Actually, let's let's move on to Scott V because he has a counterpoint here. Okay, about the writing, he says, "Stop making excuses for Gimple and Kirkman." Uh, this is this is the one I was thinking of. <laughs> okay, there's no way their shitty story decisions are made by AMC execs. It's all them. Remember when Carol was banished? All I could think was how excited I was to see Rick tell Daryl because I knew Daryl was going to be pissed. Then we got three or four fucking episodes about the governor. Remember the Glenn bullshit? He falls off a dumpster, and there's a herd bearing down in Alexandria. So what follows? An extra long episode about Teenage Mutant Ninja Morgan. They know how to build anticipation. They just don't know how to pay it off. Uh, so point counterpoint on the writing. I do agree that Scott Gimple has been part of many episodes that I've liked. Um, and I don't know that I had a big problem with his writing. Uh, but, I mean, since he has taken over, there have been some big fiascos. Yep. It's not like he's been innocent and he's corrected everything that Mazera fucked up. Like, that's not the case. It's kind of continued into Scott's uh, overseen seasons. So. Well, I, I do think that I prefer much the Gimple era to the Mazera era because there's been, you know, right or wrong, there has been an emphasis on character, which mm-hmm. is what makes the engine work. Um, but, I mean, do do we really want to do a meta, meta psychological, psychological and career analysis of Gimple? Because I could do it. I just don't think we have the perspective on it, but I... Like those are those are both very good points. Yeah. Like I feel like there is a good point counterpoint there that I just wanted to bring up. And you know, let the audience decide. That's the other thing is like I don't you know, there's some people that are crazy talented and driven and there's different ways that can manifest it. Like, you know, you get the Vince Gilligan where he is a calm, friendly, positive guy and he chooses to hire people that are f- calm, friendly, and then you've got like the Matthew Weiners who are more intense and driven, and then you got the yellers and screamers. There's all kinds of ways you can manifest greatness. But the other possibility is that Scott Gimple was a really good writer for episodic television that got promoted to running a show, and his ceiling maybe wasn't ever that that high. And there's also, um, you know, that's always the argument about taking high schoolers and putting them on the, and, and skipping college and going and writing a professional ball is that they might not ever live up to the potential they had because instead of being taught 
and trained and and allowed to hone their game, they are instantly thrown to the wolves and all the bad ha- habits that they've leaned into to be the great players, they lean into them more, so that artificially limits their abilities. Hmm. So I wonder if it's a case where maybe if uh, Gimple had been able to get on a long run under a successful stable showrunner that, you know, when he went off on his own to an, a new show, he would have been a genius or... Has this experience stunted his growth, or was his capacity for greatness not that great to begin with? Okay. And right. is he cry if he listens to his podcast? Is this the point where he just starts weeping? I don't know. Or, or he gets pissed and sure. calls us up for an interview. But, but I'm saying, strike. like, I mean, I don't know what value this kind of conversation has. Right. We're. I mean, this is the worst of the armchair yeah. psychologist stuff. It's right. It's ridiculous. We have no insight into this, so. I don't know, but I wanted to. I wanted to let our audience have a voice on that. Uh, Scott V also goes on with maybe another super understated uh, point here. I didn't like the first person POV shot for the kill, and here is why. Okay, <laughs> on Talking Dead, Kirkman or Gimple said this season is about Rick. It's about Rick, Rick, Rick. I have liked this over. Uh, I have liked his overconfidence, and have been waiting for him to learn this lesson. So I was trying to think of how I would have shot the head bashing scene. I would have done a tight close-up, or, yeah, I, I would have done a tight close-up on Rick, filled the frame with his face while we hear the bat hit over and over. What is on his face? Are his eyes closed? Is he watching? Are there tears? Does he look angry or afraid? My God, they missed an awesome character moment for the hero of this fucking show. Uh, yeah, I suppose that, you know, if they were going to do the cliffhanger and not show us, there were better ways than that first-person POV, which really feels like like a nothing play right yeah no there's so like not even showing the emotional reaction of characters around us is there are so many ways they could have, if it was just about it being graphic which they've said it's not there's so many ways they could have done it and i, I also think that just because a season is quote-unquote about rick doesn't mean that he's the only reaction we need to see uh mm-hmm. like the story is clearly this season has been all about rick he's been the a-list and it's about his rise to power or i don't know what you'd call it uh, his generalissimo routine and and his overconfidence and and how that blinded him to, you know, caution and reason and I I don't know I don't know. There's a million different ways to do the same. Like if if there's if if the concern is the violence or if the concern is emotional, there's a lot of things you could do to address that. I don't think right. that any of those responses are to do it first person. They did that because. It's cheap heat, and eventually, they, if they keep doing it, it's going to burn them, and people are going to not watch the show in the numbers that they do. And yeah. that's already happening because they've lost a proud 25% of their audience from the peak. So yeah. that will accelerate and continue to... I mean, I'm, I'm really curious to see what this audience comes back to in October, because it seems like there was a lot of people that are like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Also, a lot of people, as I kind of look through some of the emails that I can't read for time here um because we still have a shitload to go uh, a lot of people are comparing this to other shows right like lost lost had a shitload of cliffhangers um uh a lot of people compare it to breaking bad which doesn't make sense to me i don't i mean breaking bad never had these season finale cliffhangers ever period well season three is the closest thing you can but that again, but that was not intended to be a cliffhanger vince gilligan came out yes. said this is not a cliffhanger here's yes. the definitive take on it but what i'm saying is that is as close as you can get because you had an action and then you didn't see the immediate repercussions but that's the best way to do a cliffhanger if you got to do one it, but it wasn't a cliffhanger like 
Yeah, I, no, I knew dude, it wasn't look. a cliffhanger. Many of the audience did. I don't know why it was ever considered a cliffhanger. If it here, like, I, it's inarguably a cliffhanger. No, it's not. Okay, how do you define a cliffhanger? Uh, something where you don't know what just happened. You're not sure of what actually happened. No, because a hero hanging off of a cliff is literally a cliffhanger, and you know exactly what's happening. But the it's is he's going to fall or or what's going to happen next is the cliffhanger. No, part so. Of it. I, I don't want to talk too spoilery about this, but if he had not actually done what he did, but threatened to do what he was going to do at the end of season three, mm-hmm. that would have been a cliffhanger. As it stands, if you believe, like, so, okay, the camera angle was bad. If you believe that Vince Gilligan did not intend for that camera angle to suggest anything, that is not a cliffhanger. The okay. action has been The action has been committed to, right? Now you're dealing with the repercussions. Uh, I don't know. To me, a cliffhanger is anytime a main character is in a predicament or has been confronted with a sh- something shocking. And season three, quali- because to not be a cliffhanger, they'd have to have another 30 minutes of, okay, here's Walt and Jesse talking about what they're going to do next and all that stuff. Like, it's a diff. I don't know. This It's definitely not a cliffhanger in the way that this is a cliffhanger, regardless of what you think. Um, they showed us the resolution. Yeah, no, I'm that. not going to argue that this is not... This is a different type of cliffhanger, and it's a shittily executed one. But I I do think that season three is the closest you can get. But again, it's the difference between you know what happened, and now the buzz is what the fuck is going to happen next, not what the hell is going to happen, who's going to happen to, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the other thing I would would make a distinction between is season finale cliffhangers and mid-season cliffhangers. Not not like mid-season finale cliffhangers, which is this new phenomenon, but like... Episode three to episode four cliffhangers, right? That's not nearly as big of a deal. They're in the process of telling that story. There's a lot more patience for that kind of bullshit than there is. Although what I've seen in our coverage of Daredevil is it seems like in the binge model, people don't like that. Like it's there's less tolerance huh. when it's like God damn it's the end of every episode. Oh, it's a, I'm going you know it's like I felt like there was impatience because you get just like cliffhanger overload. Whereas mm-hmm. okay, well I just have to wait. I can't wait for next week. It's a different kind of feel, and it's, I think that's one of the interesting things is to see how mm-hmm. the binge model impacts storytelling. Because right right now we're in a phase where like anything good good the show's doing it's all because it's the binge model and anything bad the show's doing is because well you don't understand it because it's supposed to be the binge and we're just still stuck on terrestrial television i don't know how all that shakes out but it does feel like that there are some things that work better in one format than the other yeah yeah i agree and and i can also see why cliffhangers would be more important for uh binge watching too because it propels you into the next episode it makes you go well i can see what happens right now you know and to me that's not as egregious like if if the material is available immediately for consumption then I don't care I don't if it's a cliffhanger. Because I feel like that there is a little... The fatigue I feel is quite literal when it's 2 o'clock in the morning and they've just hit me with the third cliffhanger and I want to watch, but I just can't. Like, you gotta... <laughs> well, you that's gotta, on you. There, don't start watching at midnight, man. There's a particular type of rhythm I think you can fall into where... Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of no, totally. like we're discovering. Like, it seems like three episodes is a natural binge. Okay. I don't know that if that's about right. I don't know if that's because that's how many would fit on a DVD. So we kind of subconsciously trained ourselves that a binge is like a. a, a I think it's a, how a, many a, fit into an evening for people. Mm. Like if you're if you're a reasonable person with a life uh, outside of podcasting and television, which mm. we are not. Sure. Uh, three yeah. episodes seems like a reasonable amount over the course of a couple days. 
huh. to, to get in. Hmm. Well, I like my DVD theory, so there. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go on to... We still had a bunch, but I'm going to go on to the predictions on who it is and the theorization on hashtag who, who is it. Anthony P. says, A radical theory that they kill Carl. Okay, stick with me here because I immediately excluded Carl based on the line of dialogue about feeding his eye to his father. But really, <laughs> read that line. Anybody moves... Anybody says anything, cut the boy's other eye out and feed it to his father. Then we'll start. That can be interpreted as Negan threatening to torture the boy, then go ahead and still murder him despite the protestations of everyone there. Granted, the big plot hole is how does Rick ever find it within himself to hold back from taking revenge right there and then, if it means instant death. Uh, but boy, would, the de- would that death uh, light everyone's hair on fire. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're trying to read a little too much into it, Anthony P. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's it's a little bit of a tortured read of the di- the dialogue. Yeah, to where there's I think intention there, and the it, average person it's... would be feel like they got fucked over if that's. But I mean, right? And that's my general problem with all of this dissection, like yes, really granular dialogue stuff. Is if they did that, if that's truly their intention, it's so obfuscated that I think people would feel ripped off again. Uh huh. And holy shit. The... Which means that's what they're going to do. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Uh, Jason in Kansas City. I, too, did not like the POV faded black ending. All right. <laughs> really, the understated. I love the undersell on the, the opening lines. My prediction on the finale. In the first scene, as well as the scenes that follow, we are shown a POV from inside the box. That person looks to be the person who is closest to the opening. Who's the first one out of the box? Daryl. To use POV throughout the show and end on a POV, I believe we are seeing it from the same person's perspective. I think Daryl is a character that will be murdered by Negan Lucille. What do you think about that? Well, I've been on that murder, justification. I've been on the murder Daryl train for a long time. Yep, and some on, of these I included just just because of that. Uh, you know, the more I think about it, how do we know that that I called it Daryl Cam, right? Because you can hear him kind of moaning in the background, but you could also hear Glenn. At some point, like, how? Do, why do we think that that's his point of view? Well, I mean, is he, he the first he one says, out? And yeah, he's, he's like the kind first of one out, and... and the POV looks to be the closest to the the door. The okay, holes. that's true. Unless so they're maybe... looking out the side of the thing. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. And there's some contradicting evidence. Did here, Did they too. come out of the RV or did they come out of some other place? Uh, I th- I want to say they came out of uh. A van? I mean, they wouldn't. Have, okay, so they're not, they didn't they come have out of the, been RV. the RV. Well, I, I didn't know, think maybe. so, but I'm like, they they did have a conspicuous uh, scene of Rick looking at the bullet holes in the RV. Maybe and they did. It could be that the, the you know that that was showing their perspective of being like hogtied in the bottom of that RV, and they could see the light shining through the bullet holes. Yeah, and then that kind of tem- thematically, but I didn't think they came from the RV, so I, I think that's wrong. Does Negan come from the RV? Negan definitely comes from the RV. Okay. I thought so. Yeah, I'm not sure where they came from. Uh, Kurt, I'm in agreement with the majority of the feedback in reference to the ending of the finale. I will say that something interesting struck me about uh, after thinking about the Who question uh, last cast as a listener wrote in about the Eugene scene and how it made no sense to focus attention on him like on a, like a hero on a mission, possibly risking his life, only to be right there captured in line with the others afterwards. If you remember back, Eugene tells Rick... Uh, Eugene talks to Rick as well as Abraham, only their talk has much more significance. He gives him a recipe for making bullets. Um, This struck me because that is certainly a leading act to foreshadow his possible death. Maybe too obvious, but it stuck with me. Uh, What do you think about that? 
I'm not sure the, the exactly that, the point being made. Well, he's saying that because Eugene has kind of, you know, had, you know, the walking dead death moment where he's had a big emotional moment with these characters and the fact that he gave away his most valuable information to Rick, he's now expendable. Well, sure, but that's that's an argument for not doing it. I suppose so. Because, like, I mean, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that the writer's room has conversations like... When they're talking about killing someone, sustainability of the character versus the popularity of the character and what the audience... I mean, do they consider the audience feelings at all? They have to. Yeah. I mean, sure. or else what the hell are they doing? So if if they come and do the math and they decide that Eugene gets the bat, ah, man, because I can see them arguing in like, well, think of all the character development he's gotten. He's got right. a badass. I, he's and got that- a ponytail now. and. Right, and that's what Kurt's saying. You can basically see the stepping stones, the breadcrumbs leading to Eugene. That would be such a horrible misjudge of the audience's temperament and uh, what what they want and what they need emotionally. But that is exactly what they've been doing for years now. That's the same mistake they made to Glenn, so why wouldn't they do it again? Right. Uh, Email, I'm sure you'll love the speculation. Uh wondering if his contract might finally be up for renewal. Nat says, I just listened to finale cast, fully agree with everything covered. You mentioned that if there was word of Norman Reedus starting a big movie or show, it would be an indication that they suffered, uh, that he suffered the fate of the bat. Did you see the commercials for the new show called Ride with Norman Reedus throughout the finale's breaks? As soon as I saw that, I wrote Daryl off as fucked long before we even got to the Negan scene. How do you feel about that? Well, see, that Is show Rod was announced almost two years ago, and I think it's already fully shot and produced. So right. he's he did that in in the off season, and but it, season two he might have to. I I don't know. That's not <laughs> the kind of like scripted drama is what I'm on the lookout for. Right? Yeah, there have been comments from Andrew Lincoln talking about how this show basically takes up all of his time, and like, sure, uh, he can't do any other projects because of it, and like wondering if maybe he wants out, but. I, I know we had really? an email about that he's somewhere. Had a con- he said that on record? Yeah, I think there was I mean, um, I, I, an interview with him and also an interview with uh, Chandler Riggs who says similar things about, like, if Andrew Lincoln's out, I'm probably out. I'd, I don't know. Well, um, I mean, they got to be close to renewing that his could, contract. Yeah. yeah, so this could be... Uh, you know, this this could be a little bit of grist for the mill. Because, you know, this this it's all about leverage, right? You yeah. know? Uh, yeah. making deals. So having your stars talk about uh, and having them show solidarity about leaving and having it on fan groups and people are saying, oh my God, we shit your pants. Like that's extra zeros on his contract. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, I feel like I'm, I honestly feel bad for stars that get pigeonholed on shows and they spend a decade of their life and then they come out and like what else you know what they what they what could they have been doing in their primes and now they're doing this and on the other hand like the rock for instance well (laughs) a lot of that's self-inflicted but no i mean you just you know on the other hand they're they're wealthy and they're famous and you know and now they can pick projects they want to do sure you know although i think andrew lincoln could have anyway Right. Well, but, you know, it's like the David Duchovny. Like, why isn't he a bigger right. star? Or Julian yeah. Anderson. I mean, and I know, like, yeah, he's done the the Showtime stuff, and he's had some movies here and there. But, mm-hmm. you know, when when it's like, oh, how hard is it going to be to get David Duchovny and Julian Anderson together for another season of X-Files? I'm like, <laughs> how hard is it? Really? Are people beating the door? Do they just not care? Yeah, I don't know. Some people uh, don't care that much. I mean, the that's fame. the thing. If I ever scrape my hands around, like, 
a, a few million dollars, you'll never get me to work again. <laughs> so it's like, right. I mean, if, if, but I never, you, you never hear of like actors just like, woo, signed a big check and I'm done with my project. Fuck everybody. I'm going to my private island. Yeah. I mean, you hear of people like, uh, who is it? Claire Danes did that. She, she didn't go to private island. She went to college. But, well, same. But Natalie like, she Portman. kind of fucked off for a while. Same with Natalie Portman. Right. Harrison Ford's kind of like that. It's like, I just, yeah. I just want to be on my ranch with my cows and rescue people in my helicopter. Leave me alone. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it happens. I, I feel like that's what I would be like if I if I were rich and famous. I would be like, you know what? I'm I'm done with this. I've made my millions. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I have no desire for the the limelight like like a lot of people do. Steph has a couple of things here. Um, she wants to talk about whether or not the cast knows after seeing the ending. Uh, I felt duped not just by AMC, but by the cast and their wild stories that reading the script made them throw up and unable to go to work on yeah. time, et cetera. Now I can think of only one reasonable explanation, contract negotiations. I think the cast does not, does truly not know who was the recipient of the head bashing and neither do the writers. That is enough to make you want to throw up, knowing it could be anyone, even you. Uh, what do you think about that idea? That not even That they haven't even written... A script for that. We start filming real soon. I find that hard to believe, but you know, it's like I don't begrudge them the games they play. Okay. I mean, but you gotta. The only thing that annoys it's like if I don't know because you're always dealing with different people's experience level and ages and all that stuff. But you just gotta understand that everything you see in print that an actor or an actress or a director or a writer says is you got to you got to consider that it's a carefully calculated statement to number 1 not get them in trouble and number 2 to engage with the audience okay yeah. so it's like every once in a while you'll get a like a show creator an actor that's lost his damn mind and will say like the truth but yeah. most often they're going to they will lie to you mm-hmm. they will tell gross blatant lies yeah uh and i that's why it's like i don't feel like it's super interesting to talk to them a lot of times and number three i mean personal gain is also in there right like they want to further their careers they want to do everything right and it is a shame like i'm not saying it's happening here but it is a shame when that stuff makes it onto the screen yeah it affects what the audience sees and i think if that's happening here it's it's unfortunate but i could buy that they don't have and and i mean I, i said at the my most cynical i wonder if some of this not knowing is more of them like Let's get let's 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 spend a couple weeks browsing Reddit and social media and see right. like do some uh, analysis trends about who would be the most devastating and 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 they we put this in some kind of bean counter formula where we're like we'll lose X audience if we do this but we'll gain retain this and it's just a purely mercantile decision which would make a part of me whimper and die but I am just cynical enough to consider that they are doing that sure. Uh, a lot of people going with this POV thing. She continues here. Uh, after speculating for almost the entire season already, here comes some more. The final episode opened with Daryl Vision, uh, and it was weird and inexplicable. However, it reminded me of the Tyrese episode in which all of those visions had a meaning at the end. Uh, they showed this Daryl Vision multiple times throughout the episode. We later learned that it's the POV of someone in the truck, uh, either Daryl, Glenn, Michonne, or Rosita. So they start with the first-person POV in the truck. They end with the first-person POV with the bat. Has to be someone in the truck. If you... Hmm. Uh, I'm going to skip that line because it's spoilery. Okay. But she's 
uh, saying it either has to be Glenn or Daryl. Um, and her money's on Glenn because Daryl's hurt. Uh, what do you think about the idea that we've, we've kind of talked about the POV thing, but do you think Negan would choose to kill someone who's already hurt given how he looks at Maggie in this and says, Oh, you look like shit. And, uh, you're on your way out. I don't don't think he did that to dismiss the idea of killing her. I think he was just, you don't think so? No, I think he was just casually insulting her. I don't think it's as impactful if he beats to death someone who's already like bleeding on the floor. Is, is Daryl actually bleeding on the floor? He seems fine. He's probably, he just got shot. He's probably bleeding on the floor. But what I'm saying is like, I don't, I mean, I know he's going to be fine. He's yeah. Like I, I mean, if somebody was like literally on death's door, there's like a mercy killing. Sure. But I don't think anybody in this group meets that criteria. So, um, yeah, I know. I honestly think it's, it's, it's going to be Abraham, Glenn or Daryl. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Jackie. She says, because I just, I'm not cynical enough to think that they would do it to Eugene. Okay. Because like, that would just be like, the wet fart of a kill. Yup. Jackie says, I sort of don't want to give the walking dead folks the satisfaction of attempting to Zapruder their stupid cliffhanger, (laughs) but whoops, I've already done it. And the results are below. Uh, My first point has been made by others, but I'll recap it here. Uh, after he's picked out his victim, but before he takes the first swing, Negan tells his people anybody moves, anybody says anything, cut out his eye and feed it to his father. This would seem to exclude both Rick and Carl from the list of suspects, and it makes sense. Uh, Negan already identified Rick as the group's leader, the person he's trying to force into making a deal. It's unlikely that he thinks he can get any sort of cooperation out of a man after beating his son to death in front of him. I think that's a good point. Yep. I think Rick and Carl are both super safe here. Yep. Uh, second telling statement comes from uh, comes after the first swing. With delighted surprise on his face, Negan exclaims, oh, ho, ho, look at that, taking it like a champ. I think there's two things to note about this. I thought he said he took it like a champ. Okay. First, there's the use of the traditionally masculine nickname champ. Of course, women can be champions, too. I'm arguing that Negan, with his hyper-macho alpha dog posturing, uh, would only use champ to patronize another man. Eh, I've, I, no, I feel like it's... No, nah. I, okay. I, I, Take it like a champ. It does. You're not pausing to be like, oh, it's a physical. But you also think the, he, you said he's t- he took it like a champ. Yeah, I definitely think the masculine pronoun he is descriptive, but champ okay. is like. So if he says he, let's let's continue down this road. This excludes Maggie, Michelle, and Rosita and Sasha. So you I think agree. for other for a different reason, but I thought you're still on said, board with the I basic he said premise. He. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Second implication is packed into Negan, Negan's expression of surprise. This is clearly a person he wasn't expecting to be tough. Of the people left in the running, I think this excludes Daryl and Abraham. From this, I can conclude that the possible, the only possible victims are Aaron, Eugene, or Glenn. Because I'm a giant nerd, I've arranged the whole thing in a matrix table below for your convenience. Huh. Which, yeah, she she certainly did. Uh, this is what we have a whole matrix, I, and, and I, yeah, do, I do you buy all do you the buy that? Yes. Yep. Okay. And I, that that and he wasn't expecting this person to be able to take a baseball bat to the head. Well, no. Is that because a human I, being that's usually the one, can? That's the one I least think is, is, is telling. Oh, okay. Because, like, you know, I smack someone in the head with a Louisville slugger. I don't care if it's Arnold Schwarzenegger right. or Terry Crews I expect or to Bill down. Gates. I expect them to go down. And if they don't, if they somehow fight through it, that would be impressive. Okay. 
Got it. Uh, I sound like a monster on a regular basis on this show. <laughs> when I beat people with bats, if they I ever go run down, for, If I ever it. run for politics, which will never happen because of these reasons, yep. the amount of sound bites that they can mine from this shit. Right. On the other hand, Jesse DeBody Ventura got elected to public office. And it's true. he and made Arnold Predator. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John from St. Louis says, I just want to start with, I hated the entire episode. Uh, from the contrived plot devices to get as many main characters as possible out of Alexandria and in front of Negan to the BS cliffhanger. Here's my vote as to who gets the bat and why the writers did what they did. It's Eugene. The writers made a point to show him giving Rick the plans to make ammunition. Then he stepped up to drive the RV into the Saviors, letting the rest of the group go. He got the closure. He got closure in form of respect from Abraham. If they kill Eugene, the cliffhanger makes more sense too. If Eugene gets the bat, the emotional impact is not as strong as if Glenn or another character we care more about gets it i think a lot of people would think it was a cop-out and would be upset if they didn't have the balls to kill a main character how do they get around this they so don't. he's speculating that it's eugene and then saying it would suck and nobody would like it so yeah i i don't think they're gonna kill eugene no i mean that that'd be gutless he it's did, certainly something they can do but right and it seems like they set him up for that but i do agree it wouldn't be as impactful as another some of the other characters brady c i think i've worked out who gets the bat I was thinking about the whole POV thing, realized that the person Negan kills was looking straight at him as he walked up to them and smashed in their skull. If you go back and watch, you'll notice that as he's doing his eeny, meeny, miny, mo, most of the characters are looking straight at him, but as the scene goes on, they all end up looking away from him, save for two, Maggie and Abraham. Now, Maggie clearly has her hair going over her eyes in the final shot of her before we cut to the POV, and as the writers went to such trouble to show the cheesy blood stream flowing down the person's vision, then surely... Uh, that vision would have been obscured obscured if they had hair in front of their eyes. Uh, Abraham has absolutely no hair covering his eyes. Spends the whole time looking straight at Negan in the two shots they show of him. Uh, he thinks it's going to be Abraham. What do you think about that analysis? No hair in the eyes. No hair on the camera. I, this, show, this show can't tell if it's raining or sunshining <laughs> or dark. Or so I, I don't know. think that the hair is going to be a... You know, I, I mean, come on, I'm entertaining man. Are, all you, are you expecting like a big fluff mop of black hair cover the lens? Like, right. that, that would be a dead giveaway. What if it was blonde hair? A mop of blonde hair. <laughs> no one there has blonde hair. <laughs> Zombie Beth. <laughs> uh, he's doing the world a favor. I, man, I don't know. No, that, I don't find that as sorry as compelling as the other lines argument. Okay. And also I'm ignores the masculinity of the the he, which I, I thought I heard he. Now she's saying it. Or oh Maybe. they or what do you say? They took it like a champ. I, 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 I want to say just left off the pronoun on that. Just oh oh took it like, took a, it champ. like a champ. I, I'm not sure though. Or he said like look at him. I don't know. I yeah. yeah. I, I thought I heard he or him, but I could be wrong. Ed W says take Daryl off the meatloaf head list. In these set photos, he has a wound on his shoulder, and as cheap as AMC is, they wouldn't spend a dollar on makeup they didn't need. Um, so he links me to a picture of what of Eugene <laughs> going of, uh, shit. I don't know. Eugene's actor, the actor's name, uh, uh-huh. Michael Clark Duncan. No, God, no <laughs> of Eugene, like threatening to lick the back wound of a bandit or a stitched up Norman Reedus. Okay. So there are stitches in the wound, which implies this is after the fact, mm-hmm. um, that he's been shot. So likely it's not Daryl. Likely it's not Eugene. Why? Because they were filmed on set, I guess. I don't know. Because 
I mean, are you postulating that Negan wouldn't treat a guy until he's convinced of who he's going to kill? I don't, I don't that's know. True. I don't know. Maybe Norman Reedus insisted on getting shot, really, as a method acting thing. And that was a real stitch from Georgia General Hospital. Maybe. Maybe he got shot. Okay. Uh, Harry is is telling us of the contrary here. I have this theory on a few reasons why I think Daryl got the bat. Um, and he doesn't think he's heard this anywhere yet. We'll be the judge of that. We've heard them all. Uh, everyone wants to find clues in the last scene of the last episode, but I think the real clues come from episode 606. In this episode, I'm sure there might be a lot of clues, but two big ones stick out to me. The scene where Daryl lies beside the zombie biker and literally strikes a Jeebus on the cross pose. Lots of symbolism with the Jesus Im- imagery, but this is... Uh, the cross pose represents sacrifice. Someone dying by Negan so all the others can live sure sounds like a sacrifice to me. This might be reaching, but watch it again, and it seems like they're really trying to say something with that scene. Uh, other foreshadowing is also seen when we catch a few scenes of Daryl Vision in first person. Um, at the end of the season, one of the scenes from Daryl Vision is actually him getting his head smashed in with a stick from Dwight. He's talking back back in 606. Hmm. Uh, I believe the first person view has not been used much, if at all, by Walking Dead, and we get a lot of Daryl Vision in this episode. Um, so those are his two two main six of six takes. He thinks th- those are interesting. Well, Daryl's definitely in the, my top. Like if I could lay odds, they would definitely be the odds. Oh, I know the, the, the odds on a leader. Talking about it for a while now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it is season six, and knowing that Geralt, 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 Daryl was a guest star in season one and not part of the regular cast. And now he's um, uh, if if he's that's signed, a five year period. That's a right? lot of assumptions uh, I've realized over the years that you assume <laughs> that he signed a standard five year contract. And, sure. Yeah. Um, it's I really know. only one big assumption. It would definitely be something that would shut the fans up for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He also says Daryl's death moves the plot the most. What do you think about that? I don't uh, know how. Okay, his justification. Dwight has fucked Daryl a bunch of times, but knows his life was still saved by him in the end. Oh, so that would actually fuck up. Are we in the spoiler section? Uh, Not yet. Uh, but But he thinks uh, this would make Dwight feel kind of guilty about letting Daryl get killed uh, and being the cause of that, you know? Okay. Uh, the other thing, I guess, of moving the plot is that Daryl's kind of a crutch for the group. Uh, in some ways, yeah. Uh, and that killing him off would eliminate that. Yeah. Uh, but that was, in fact, the last speculation on who it's going to be. Uh, I had to skip a lot of this stuff and cut even more of it, but hopefully I got uh, enough takes, enough diversity in there to really confuse the issue and have nobody be sure of anything going into Season 7. Yeah, Because I'm on board with the uh, strategy of the writers and producers of this show. Sure. Uh, that's it for the non-spoiler stuff. I think we, we are going to have, you know, a decent sized spoiler section to where we can kind of speculate a little bit more, talk about some of the upcoming stuff, answer some questions, but I do, I do want to do, um, a little bit of a few announcements before we get going here. Uh, this is going to be our last show for the season and we're not actually going to be doing any coverage of fear the walking dead. We decided last year it sucked. We hate it. Uh, so we're not, we're not going to cover it. We did do a live watch of the first episode for club uh, members. Yeah, are we doing a live watch of the second episode? No, I don't think no. so. Okay, I don't think so. We've just decided now. It was, that's it. it was fun to do, but I... that first episode was terrible of the second season. Yeah, uh, I hated every second of it. So 
whatever. Uh, episode two of The Walk Dead Michonne just released last week for club members. So if you haven't checked that out yet, go get it. And if you're on the fence about whether it's worth a buck or two to join the club, uh, we do have complete playthroughs of the whole two seasons, the, the previous two seasons. Right. Uh, 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 around Lee and Clementine. This is do the, the do a search one. for Telltale on the website, and you'll get all of that or, stuff. Or you go to YouTube. You go to youtube.com slash bald move, and it's right. in a playlist. That's true. Um. So yeah, go check that out. See if you want to sign up for the club for that. I mean, that's like fifteen hours of content. If that's not enough to decide whether you want a couple and more, and some of our really good stuff too. I, I think it's real fun. Yeah, real I, I think our, it's it's definitely the funnier some of the funnier stuff we've done. Uh, some announcements on stuff that is that is coming up or we are currently airing you and Cecily are doing coverage of Banshee on the Bald Move TV podcast yeah, this, right now. Uh, it's the final season. Uh, we're two episodes in. Not too late to jump on board if you're a Banshee fan. Uh, two episodes left of Better Call Saul coming up in the next two two weeks, tomorrow and in, in the finale. Uh, Game of Thrones preview cast coming out next Tuesday in preparation for season six of that. So if you got a take on that, Game of Thrones at baldmove.com, get it in. And Penny Dreadful is starting up May 1st. I think you and Cecily are also covering that. Yes, we are. So we've lost, lost We've stuff. lost our damn minds. A lot of freaking stuff happening on baldmove.com. Uh, go check it all out. And if you want spoiler stuff, stick with us until after the music. And if not, we will see you next year for what is sure to be a disappointing season premiere. <laughs> anticlimactic. Uh, I'm not going to say disappointing. Okay. It's, it's got anticlimactic. I don't, I don't know how they can deliver on the first few minutes of it, assuming they're coming back to right to where they, they left off. But sure. we'll see. Uh, and until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you. And we're back with the spoiler section. I don't know if you have anything you want to talk about, but I got a bunch of emails to go Well, I over. did want to say real quick about the thing about uh, Dwight is that it's interesting because Dwight eventually turns traitor in the comics to Negan. And that's the right. kind of the genesis of his downfall from what I remember. And I kind of remember his reasons and those were fairly good in the comic. But if you add the cosmic in- injustice of him knowingly letting a good man get beat to death for this guy... And then, you know, his facial scarring and how he got that and all that stuff. That that, that would add depth to the decision of him. And and maybe it simultaneously will make it harder for Rick to believe him, but also maybe ultimately easier to believe his is his his turnabout. I don't know. That's my okay. thought on that last email. All right. Um Ernesto has uh some more predictions. Uh, his prediction is that Glenn will die. Here's why. When he got in the van to go with Michonne, he and Maggie shared a last look through the rearview mirror. The camera work, the music, all suggested tragedy. And some people will say the miscarriage is the tragedy. That's obviously what was happening. But losing Glenn and losing the baby brings about another plot line, and that is Maggie's attempted suicide. In the comics, she had adopted Sophia, and it's very apparent that Enid has fit into that slot. However, as we saw at the end of East... She was experiencing severe pains, and that's usually a sign of miscarriage. And even worse, the only medical help is now six feet under. So she loses the baby, her husband, perhaps memories of her father and her sister will come back to her. It'll all be too much. She'll succumb to the grief. And this could uh, either be a very long season opener or a mid-season finale. Um, He goes on, I know in the comics she becomes a leader of the hilltop. 
They certainly showed a bit of that in this in the episode of the Hilltop, but I don't think there was enough yet to bring them back as a group. Um, what do you think about that? The idea yeah. that this could drive Maggie's suicide. So one thing I, I got from listening to the uh, coverage that have actually women as a co-host is a lot of speculation about what's going on with Maggie's pregnancy. And, uh, you know, in the comics, Judith dies, little ass kicker. She's alive. Uh, in the comics, Judith dies. Maggie has her baby. Right? Maggie has her baby? Yeah, I thought so. I I don't know. Um, but anyway... My, some, Ernesto said something about having Sophia, having adopted Sophia. She, that That is true as well. Um, I think that Yeah, they've definitely worked that in the, the Enid role right down to her having a little bit of a romance with Carl, too. <laughs> uh, I... I wonder if having Judith around frees him up to give her the, to have her to miss do the miscarriage, which kind of makes me feel like maybe Glenn, unless they just really want to torture Maggie, like you lose your baby and your husband on the same night and you are now a shell of yourself and yeah. we're going to build you back up into a tough leader. And that's an interesting arc for her to go on. Okay. But it does seem like, man, that's really going to fuck with the fan base uh, in maybe a good way. Yeah, and after the Glenn dumpster fire, I don't know Well, that's always going to, you know, like I'm saying, like the only right. thing that saves the, the the Glenn dumpster fire is if they don't actually kill. So that's, you could see that as an ill-timed wink towards the fan base. Yeah. Um, I, But man, something tells me it's going to be Glenn. Yeah, it could totally be Glenn. Uh but that's my gut right now. Says Glenn gets beat to death. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. The only because I, mean, I, really I don't have don't. any real story reasons to beat Daryl to death now, except for it piss off the fan base and Abraham would be the 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 weak 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 way to go. I think the the mm-hmm. the non gut check way to go. Uh, Eugene doesn't. You know, I, I can't take that possibility seriously, and we've already eliminated all the others. Due to dialogue, which I buy into, so I don't know, man. What's what do you? What's your gut feeling tell you? Uh, my gut feeling says they should go with Daryl. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's still too soon after the Glenn debacle to make it Glenn and have the fans not kind of outraged by it. But uh, see that man, I was. I'm amazed I, at how again, many it's people the bandage def- theory. Yeah, you and, could just band aid it and be done yeah. with it. But then you fucked up two, you fucked up one of the biggest moments in the comics, and you've done it in a way that insults fans even more because of the way you fucked up the half season uh, six. A, I, I, it's, I mean, that's the thing. Like we were having in a macro step back and looked at how that has impacted the the decision about who they kill now. It, it's yeah, oof. <laughs> they're not in an enviable position. No, they're in a way, I mean, in, in the space of three episodes, they went from how could they fail to how are they going to come back and make this not a fiasco. Yeah, and they really didn't have to. And it's entirely self-inflicted. Sam and Marco Island, which I have no idea where Marco Island is. Oh, it's, uh, along the, uh, it's on the Gulf Coast in Florida. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Down by the Keys or more No, more No, like the in the middle, like it kind of down the middle of the penis. <laughs> okay. Halfway down. Florida's the, the, a penis shape? Uh, well, I mean. I thought it was like a gun shape. Or a you know, hmm. I always thought it's it's America's kind of weird looking penis. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Sam from Penis Island says in the comics, <laughs> the kingdom isn't introduced until after issue one hundred, when Jesus brings Rick and crew to meet Zeke. At that time, Ezekiel and Michonne start their back and forth, leading them to uh, getting together. Do you think they're going to use Carol for that role now? 
Finally, in the comics, the next roughly 10 issues. Well, okay, answer that first. That's he has a really question. good because I've been thinking, like, man, if Ezekiel fucks up my Rashon, <laughs> I don't give it, I don't care how many tigers he's got. Fuck him. Uh-huh. Um, so by back and forth, he means love triangle. Oh, no, because Michonne not, not a and triangle, Rick are not a in a love, triangle. A love connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, Michonne okay. is kind of this. Uh, Michonne's love life in the comic books is a lot like Jillian Jacobs' love life in love. It's just kind of flighty and lack of attachment. and Like an Andrea sort of was in the show hmm. with the governor, just like kind of sleeping together, not like a real... I mean, she's just like damaged goods, man. It's like you get too close to her and she 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 runs off. That's my mm, impression okay. of of, gotcha. of her. Um, but I I, I don't know. Um, hmm. Yeah, no, I would. It would be interesting to the pair Carol up with Zeke. Now I know there seems like there's a growing tension in the fan base. Or like, you know, why are we always talking about shipping characters? Why can't people just be? That's what people talk about. People I know, talk about but relationships. It's, it's, it's kind of it's, you're reducing your drama into and and look before you get offended, realize that this is how I see the world too. Like I, I am definitely a shipper, obviously, obviously, yeah. But I do sometimes wonder if we're turning our favorite shows into People Magazine and Us Weekly. Like, well, it's not new. That's, that's the least sure. interesting thing about these people. It's it's almost just like oh, it's a, we just like when people get our cute people get matched up together. I mean, if you go from a surface level, sure. Like, if you want the beautiful people to be together, and that makes you happy, right? But relationships are the core of... The counterpoint is sex is important, yo, and and love and companionship. Those are... are... Is shipping... So, explain to me what shipping actually is, because I hear the term all the time. I'm not a shipper myself. I don't concern myself overly with who's going to have... Who's going to bone. All right. Is that all shipping is, or is it actually the relationship? No, it's a relation. Yes, I mean it's a lot. I mean that's that's like asking the difference between like a rom com and porno. I mean, I guess it's the focus <laughs> of your attention and and what and what then, what are the shippers normally focused on? The boning or the actual emotional connections between these people? It's different, different in each different, show. Okay. And sometimes it's right. big, like I feel like that X Files fans. If you're if you're a shipper of uh, you know Mulder and Scully. Uh, you know, a great majority of them was just kind of like let them bone, but there's also well, that's like, appropriate because they already have that that very strong. Emo- there is no other thing to argue about. But there's also they like you know, connected. you just want to see like them hug each other and say I love you and kiss and like sleep in the same bed, like you know, be mommy and daddy too. Like I, <laughs> okay. I, I, it, it, I don't know. It's probably different for each person. But sure. I, yeah. There's definitely, definitely, a, 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 both of those aspects are there. Okay. When you're shipping. Well, we'll see how they handle that. I I don't know. We have some other interesting uh, Ezekiel comments, too. Okay. Uh, but Sam continues on. Finally, in the comics, the next roughly 10 issues after 100, there's a whole lot of nothing going on other than the kingdom. Do you think they will fuck up the first half of season seven worse uh, than six with the lack of much in the comics? Or is it possibly why they did this bullshit cliffhanger to kind of push some of the action into season seven? I didn't think that the stuff in there was bullshit. Like the early no. stages before you get the 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 interwar period between uh, the you know Glenn getting his brains beat out and the actual all out war. I thought that was super interesting. And I guess it really I got to see the kingdom and I got to see their interpretation of Ezekiel because yeah. it's kind of like you had to see Michonne before you knew that was going to work, and right. it didn't work for some people. Yeah, that shocks me. Um. But yeah, I, I feel like that that's whether the in, the kingdom is cool 
and interesting in a way that I thought the hilltop was was like I see the hilltop I'm like oh shit they got a blacksmith they got crops like uh, they're in this weird ass hotel thing like I'm I'm you want to know more about that if I come to the the kingdom and like how are they going to deal his affectation with this King Arthur shit and is that going to be funny <laughs> is that going to be weird is okay. that yeah we t- I've told you about I, this man I the spoiler stuff doesn't stick with me because I just like I half you don't, don't the... well I half don't want to know it. Mm. Like at all, so I can just be surprised and enjoy it. And but. it feels like they are surprisingly going there because these these outer these these vanguard guys or outriders you'd call them. Right. They look exactly like the knights in Ezekiel's court. So All right, let's move on to Sean from Rally, North Carolina, because he has some comments about this. Uh, I've read forums and reviews and listened to your podcast and not seen or heard anyone mention this as a possibility. Neither have I. I've looked all over the place. Can't find anything about this. So you may have a unique take, Sean. In the very beginning of the finale, they show the feet of the random injured savior tracking Carol. Mm -hmm. He distinctly walks past two horseshoe prints, uh, which I assume he's using to find Carol. And then he walks by a much larger footprint footprint that appears to be heading in the opposite direction of where he's walking. Could this much larger footprint be that of Ezekiel's tiger? Oh, shit. I feel like I should go back and get a freeze frame of that. Because I remember in the live watch, I was like, oh, that's a bear footprint or whatever. There's a bear behind you, Carol. Watch out. I didn't even connect it to the tiger. And that I, makes perfect sense, though. Well, so that that's exciting. That's kind of exciting that they're going on the full blown Ezekiel treatment, right? And I I like that little touch of them nodding to the like confusing the Who shit out of the is watchers. The guy but- that's at the Walking Dead cons has got the he's like this tall, good looking, older middle aged black gentleman with crazy long silver dreadlocks. Is was he uh, the guy that played the guy who does the voice in um fucking the voice of Lee? Is that who he in is? Telltale? I think so. Because he physically looks exactly like the depiction of Ezekiel yeah. in the comic books. Yeah. And it would make me super happy if they just casted that fucker to mm-hmm. be Ezekiel. Like <laughs> yeah. done deal. That'd be cool. Just show have him show up on set. I couldn't not hear Lee though, every time he opens his mouth. I think that's fine. Cause I, like, he has to have Clem. Maybe he names his tiger Clem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think that would be like I I've often wondered if uh, Kirkman because which came first, like the concept art for The Walking Dead or the comic the the, the comic character, because the fact that they cast a guy the the voice of Lee that looks exactly like Ezekiel from The Walking Dead is a epic epic yeah. Uh, coincidence. Yeah. Like some, I feel like there had there was some synergy there going one way or the other. Yep, uh, but I don't know, Sean. Your comments have me excited about full on tiger in in this series. Um, we have some show spoilers here that I'm going to leave to the end because people seem to not like those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going on to. <laughs> I, I'm convinced that the listeners are trolling me and they're trying to get me to say. More and more ridiculous D- names. David fin- Finoy is the guy's yes, name. Yes, that's his name. Yeah. Uh, he does a lot of, of voice work, actually. I don't know if he's done any actual, like, on screen. Apparently, acting. this is not, this has been remarked by almost everyone. I just okay. did some Googling, and everyone's saying he should totally play Ezekiel in The Walking Dead. Yeah, so. that makes sense. Uh, Shawnee Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Trying to get me to pronounce ridiculous names. So, the first person POV shot that kept popping up throughout the episode tells us that Negan killed. Glenn, Daryl, Michonne, or Rosita, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that's just poor filmmaking. 
this mysterious first person shot from what we find out later is the interior of the van and then the first person shot of being beaten to death links one of the four characters with the barbed wire bat so of the four who gets it michonne maybe it'd be interesting but i like her i i feel like her story isn't over i don't think negan would kill a woman for shock and awe and that's one of the things we refuse to talk about in the non-spoiler section is his stance on not killing women yeah okay uh, i i guess that's part of his thing yeah uh, yeah, I, I don't he have... He prefers I, not to? That seems right, but it's been okay. years since I've read the comic lines, and that's not something that stuck out in my head. Fair. Uh, so he goes on Rosita, possibly, but that doesn't doesn't have much of an impact, and I feel like her character is finally getting some meaty screen time. And the same objection it, you had before. Exactly. Um, is it Glenn or Daryl? And I, I have to go with Glenn. Dwight, spoilers. Here we go. Turns. Uh, Dwight turns on Negan during All Out War and helps Rick... Daryl saved Dwight, and somebody brought that up. Um, brought up that possibility: uh, the Dwight shot Daryl so that Negan wouldn't beat him to death, thus returning the favor. Uh, I think it's a good theory, and I buy it. So he's he's on the same train with the. So Dwight he's saying thing. I intentionally wounded you so you won't be healthy enough to kill. Uh, yeah, he's he's on that train. I don't I don't buy that, but interesting. You know. Okay. Um, he's saying so he doesn't think it'll be Daryl. He does too much business for AMC. Glenn is popular, but he doesn't sell video games or posters. And at the end of the day, Glenn is who gets killed in canon. So he's he's got his money on Glenn. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's 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 essentially my take on it too. Okay. Um, let's see. We've got Devin who uh, also invokes the POV theory uh, of the linkage of those four characters. Um. In the final POV van shot when the doors are open, you can see Daryl's head at the side of the screen, so it's not him either. That's what uh, Devin's saying. What? Say that again. Uh, in that final POV shot inside the van, when the doors are open, you can actually see Daryl's head at the side of the screen. So his he's not the POV. Oh, okay. You know what I what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And and that's the shakiest of the foundations for any kind of analysis because right. it's, it's really hard to say. And <laughs> Devin goes on, that being said, this is a show where the Earth makes a half rotation in the time it takes Rick to run two blocks. Uh-huh. So I don't know if editing continuities <laughs> can be credible. Uh, and Devin thinks it comes down to Glenn and Michonne. Rosita would be no impact. Using comic logic spoilers, I think it could honestly go to either of these two characters. Glenn gets in the comics, so there's that. I know that Negan in the comics apparently doesn't like to kill women, which uh, a lot of people are saying protects the women in the group. But correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't Negan kill one of the women in the comics because he thinks she's Rick's love interest? Is that, is that, that what is happens true. to Andrea? That is definitely. Uh, uh, well, thinks, he thinks, thinks it's Andrea, Andrea, but yeah. he's got some other rando uh, blonde-headed whose name is Holly, I think. Okay. Seems like. And I wonder, I wonder how they're going to square that round peg because that seemed like a really interesting thing and uh, that I know there has been previous discussions this season of like someone saying could Sasha get mixed up in there mm-hmm. because you know that would that 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 the, because that's the thing it's like you know Rick's dating a black woman right and if you there's only if you a one squint other one your in, eyes and turn around and not look at the two characters maybe they look similar <laughs> sure if Michonne shaves or you know goes deny uh, says like, okay I'll sign up for another season but I got to get rid of this wig you got to let me yeah. rock my natural uh, crew cut or whatever you call it yeah uh, that would be a little bit more understandable. Uh-huh. 
because it's like get the one with the hair, <laughs> not the right. one with the not. And you know what I mean? Um, I I don't know. I that would be that's I guess that's a way to do it, and that would also do interesting things to Abraham and Rick's relationship. Uh huh. But that's not till later down the road, right? That doesn't that's, have anything that's to do not with this come. scene. That, if they if they get yeah. in, if they get an all out war any more than like the opening salvo by next season, I'll eat my hat. Okay. Matt S. says, I wanted to follow up on my email from Sunday. It turns out the Gimbal's idiotic explanation enraged my wife into labor. Our son was born the next day, so at least the cliffhanger was good for something. Uh, I'm not Please sure. tell me his middle name's Gimple. You got to give tribute, man. You gotta, the guy knocked something loose. The least <laughs> you can do is a middle name. Scott I, for a middle name? I don't have that info here. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if this is considered a spoiler. It's been a while since I've read all the, the all-out war storyline, but from what I remember, the Savior Forces primarily uh, consisted of melee weapons and not many guns. This led to a lot of creative poisoned weapons yes. from the Saviors. Do you think the show will bother with this since Hell, guns play better on TV? They fucking better. They fucking better <laughs> because that's the that's an awesome thing that they did. Is it? All right. So what they do is they the Saviors use arrows and spears that they've dipped into zombie guts. Oh, nice. And it zombifies people? Well, and they, they're just treating for wounds, and then they're in the hospital in the middle of the night. They are, oh, you got zombies coming, breaking loose and causing chaos. It's, it's fucking rad. Like, nice. no, that's an easy thing to do, and it's awesome. So, yes, they should do it. Yeah. Uh, I can get behind that. That's all we have for spoilers. Okay. Uh, this was a mega cast, but yes. I, I feel like it was warranted after the literally hundreds of emails that poured in. Uh, so... I don't know. I still, after all this deliberation, I have no idea where I stand as far as who's going to get the bat. Uh, honestly, don't know if I care. They've they've annoyed me to the point where that's the sad. I'm thing. not going to speculate honestly because and that's the thing. It's like if they hadn't done the Glenn Dumpster thing, I would really genuinely be in in involved in the guessing game. Yeah. Although, but that's I, the whole time we've been discussing this. I'm thinking, God, we're going to be another data point in their cynical decision on who to kill. Right. Right, you know. I, and ultimately, we like it would be impossible for us to have a wrap up cast without falling into that trap. Like, yeah. as podcasters, as it's the whole you know, thing with the whatever media kind of people like you know are. they're like, why are you covering the latest crazy thing in politics, or why do you cover? A ser- it's like, well, you can't. I, How do you not? You're supposed I mean, to. It sucks, but like you, you, you could you could face such a a penalty if you're the first person that decides, eh, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I mean, look, I dipped in the mailbag. I, I took a reading of the crowd's temperament here, and mm. clearly everyone wanted to talk about it, right? Yeah. It's not like we're bringing our own agenda to this. This is what the community is talking about, and this is by design. Uh, you know, take that for what you will, if you love it, if you hate it, whatever. Uh, it's part of the game, and I guess we are a part of it as well. Did so. you just quote Omar a little in defense of the walking, in defense of our podcast? Not on purpose, dead. did I? <laughs> it's all in the game, yo. Oh. No, no, not not purposefully. It's on the game, Gimple. You got the type. You got the typewriter. I got the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's it. Uh, we're gonna wrap this up and be back next year, I guess. So we'll see you guys then. Yep. <laughs>